Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. everyone and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Happy week. Brooke Grimsley is here. Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis is here. I'm Randy Carriker. My headphones are falling apart. It's great to have you with us. Here, look, uh, take my headphones off and here's a little strap oh, on the no. top. Oh, I'm going to have no. to uh, get some Gorilla Glue uh, or duct tape, one or the other. Duct tape, if, if you can fix a car, if you can uh, text in uh, the text number 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO, if you have ever duct taped your car together after an accident. Hmm. I've seen I've seen it. There should the be more than a few texts yeah. coming in because I've seen more than my fair share of cars in St. Louis with duct tape on them. Okay. I, I feel like I've seen a lot too, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah, so it take, it, it's totally anonymous here, so uh, feel free to, to text in. I started the morning for Brooke and Carrie with something that will, well, it disgusted us. And we were talking about the 4th of July because the summer is coming up and we've got Memorial Day coming up next weekend. And on the 4th of July, we like to get somebody from Major League on the show uh, before the hot dog eating contest, and I ran across this statistic, which is great, and we're going to get to the Cardinals in a moment, but the all-time record for eating mayonnaise is four 32-ounce bowls of mayonnaise, that's two gallons of mayonnaise, in eight minutes by Oleg Jornitsky. Congratulations to Oleg. That's two gallons of mayo in eight minutes. I need a. You were talking about a documentary. I, I need to see the documentary of the day after, the mm-hmm. week after these eating competitions. Just a, a full twenty-four hours, forty-eight, seventy-two hours. I need to see how their bodies respond as they process yeah. this. Uh, all of this. Food I don't want to see everything. There's no way. <laughs> I need to see it all because I want to know. Oh. What are you putting yourself through? <clears throat> I just, I, yeah, the, so I can't remember the name of it, but I know there was something kind of like behind the scenes of like the eating contest and especially the hot dog eating contest that we all know and love that is very American. Um, and I was surprised how much how much training went into it as well, too. I mean, Joey Chestnut is a full-fledged oh, pro athlete over there. One of the great athletes in sports. <laughs> LeBron's got nothing on him. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Cardinals. How about, uh, okay, guys, I said before, you heard me say it. I said it on the air, so it's on tape, I'm sure, somewhere. I said if the Cardinals went 3-4 and four on the homestand against Milwaukee and the Dodgers, that it would be a major victory for the Cardinals. Cardinals went 5-2. and two. Yes. Two out of three against the Brewers, three out of four against the Dodgers, including a 10-5 win yesterday. And here are the Cardinals heading out on a six-game swing through Cincy and Cleveland. And they're rolling, and that's legit. These are legit victories when you're playing the Dodgers, who are 
If it's not Atlanta, the Dodgers are the best team in the National League. Well, and that's something that we talked about, too, heading into the weekend, is this felt like this would be a huge measuring stick game or even just series for the Cardinals, really, because you want to see if this offense is really clicking, especially good pitching. And I, I think that they pretty much answered that. It's very interesting. I thought this stat, this has been floating around a lot on social media. Since bottoming out 10-24, and 24, they're now 11-3. and three since then Mm -hmm. and we were hoping that was rock bottom it looks like that is truly was rock bottom for the Cardinals and they're moving forward and guys it's their offense that's doing that and you're also having guys come up that you weren't even expecting like Oscar Mercado being the huge story this weekend Paul Mm -hmm. DeYoung the bottom of your lineup did a really good job of helping when the top of your lineup kind of was meh this weekend right they were huge and uh, yeah the guys that you didn't expect I mean uh, second inning Nolan Arnato is on base and Tommy Edmond Steps to the plate to put the Cardinals on top. Little flare into left. That's going to get down, and the Cardinals are going to strike first. Edmund on his way to second. It's the daily double for the Birds. It's one to nothing. But the Cardinals weren't done. Brendan Donovan on base, Paul DeYoung on base, and here is Oscar Mercado. Well, let's see what Mercado can do with two strikes. Swing and a shot headed for the gap. That'll get down and score one. Donovan around second. He's on his way to third. He's got the green light. He's going to score. Mercado breaks it open. It's 3-0. Chip carried the call on Bally Sports, and the Cardinals were off and running. Redbirds were up by a score of 5-3 in the fifth inning when Mercado did it again. Sharply hit, and in the right field. That'll score two runs. Mercado having a huge day. He did have a huge day, wound up with five RBIs. Another guy having a huge day and a huge season, Hannes Wagner. And there's a shot hammer deep left field at the track wall into the bullpen. That'll do it. DeYoung, a three-run bomb. Might as well. Might as well call him Hannes Wagner. Right? I can't. Randy. <laughs> Randy, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think that that's... Not there yet? No, not yet. No, I don't think so. <laughs> but Cardinals roll 10 to 5. Uh, Jack Flaherty was the starter. He only went four and two thirds. He allowed three runs on four hits, struck out five. He did walk four, and that wasn't too great. But great work by the bullpen again. Chris Vonderhaai is not Chris Vonderhaai anymore. He's really Drew Verhagen. Two and a third scoreless. Matthew Libertor comes in, allows a couple of runs. Uh, he, he hit a guy, he walked a guy, and they both scored. That'll happen when you do that. And then uh, Cabrera came in to finish things out with a scoreless frame. And as mentioned, Cardinals win three out of four. It was just such a a great weekend in general, right? I mean, there were so many different things to highlight and point out. As you mentioned, Paul DeYoung doing... Honest Wagner. Yes, doing really well. And I see that Rocchio has some uh, stats pulled up. What do you have for Uh, us, Rock? Across 10,400 at-bats, Honus Wagner batted 328 (laughs) with a uh, 858 OPS and a 151 OPS plus. Where is is DeYoung at right now? Jesus. Hold Uh, on. I think he's still over a 900. I think he's 900 OPS still. He's well on his way is what you're telling us. 10,400 at-bats. That's a decent sample size, yes, I guess. Randy, it's, it's early. It's okay. early. That's all, all I got to say. Okay, so here's... Uh, give me those Wagner numbers again. Uh, 328. Okay. 282 for Pauly D. 391 OBP. 364 for Pauly D. 858 OPS. Uh, 953 OPS wow. for our guy. And a 151 OPS plus. Yeah. Uh, 159 OPS plus oh, for our Jesus. guy. <laughs> Hello. And the, well, the one thing where Honus will always have him beat, you know what? Uh, Honus' little brother's name was Butts Wagner. 
Right. <clears throat> I just need to get that out there. Butts. Yeah, okay. we, don't, we don't really. That's, that's a name we should bring back. Oh, thank you for actually pulling it up so quickly. Thank you. Uh, and how about Oscar Mercado? And Oscar Mercado was a nice player. The Cardinals traded him. Uh, and they got uh, Connor Capel and somebody else a few years ago. I was I was really bummed because I thought Oscar Mercado was going to be a good player, and he actually wound up being a good player for a couple of years mm-hmm. with the uh, Cleveland Indians at the time. Cleveland Indians, uh, no no relation by the way to former Cardinal Cardinal Orlando Mercado, but uh, he played a hundred and. 28 games for Cleveland in 2022. He played 127. Uh, or he played 115 in 2019. So he had some years. He had an OPS of 761 in 2019 for the Tribe. But he kind of fell out of favor there. The Cardinals brought him back this year as a minor league free agent. And here he is now. And with the five RBIs yesterday, just a, a great start. He's only got 11 plate appearances. But he's hitting 545, and he does have those five RBIs that he turned in yesterday. And he's back to where it all started. It's everything to me. Um, I said this earlier in the week. Um, this was the first team that believed in me when I was 18 years old. Fast forward 10 years later, and, you know, I get to put on their big league uniform. And to me, it's such a special feeling uh, to come out here and help the guys win ball games. Um, and, you know, it's been it's been kind of a crazy ride, but just being back here is an awesome. It's been awesome. And guys, every team that wins, and I'm not suggesting that the Cardinals are going to win yet, but they're better than they were. But every team that does win has surprises that you just don't see coming. Mm-hmm. And maybe or um, maybe Oscar Mercado will wind up being one of those guys. For me, I love stories like this. I love a guy that you know you, you play. You have a you play in 115, 115 games in your first year, and then you sh- kind of struggling and scuffling to stay on the roster, to stay on the team, and you know you finally get called back up, and you're 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 with the organization that drafted you in the first place, and you're performing. And it's it, you're performing in big moments for a team that had been struggling, that needed some help, especially in the outfield. We talked about all of the injuries that they've had in the outfield. He's come out and, and solidified it both defensively and offensively, which I think is really good. And it's fun to watch. You love stories like that. Yeah, I mean, it's just a very small sample size with him right now. But as you mentioned, CD, he's making the most mm-hmm. of this huge opportunity for him. And it seems like he is so grateful, too, to the Cardinals for you know mm-hmm. giving him another chance. And he's he said he wanted to come back and play for the team that gave him a chance in the first place. Also, Ollie Marmol, correct me if I'm wrong, he has familiarity right. with Mercado as well because he managed him in the minors. So I wonder if that was also kind of a factor in that Ollie has seen him prior, kind of knows his work ethic, knows who he is as a player. And this is just all kind of panning out perfectly for the Cardinals because in his three starts, Mercado has six hits in 11 at-bats with three runs scored. I think he's making the yep. most of it. He's going to make it even tougher with that outfield situation as Tyler O'Neill starts I think this today he starts returning to some activities too so it's going to be interesting to see Uh, how that factors into all this. um, I don't think it's going to be tough. If you are performing to this level and you get, I mean Carlson coming back obviously he's going to be your center fielder you're going to have Newt in right and probably Mercado in in left if he's continuing to hit like this. I think Mm -hmm. this is 
I mean, you just have to go with the people play, that are playing play well. Play the hothead, right? Yeah, the guys yeah. that are playing well. Cardinals are third in their division now. They have passed the Cubs and the Reds, and they're up to 11th now in the overall National League standing. So things are happening for the Cardinals as they start this trip to Cincinnati and Cleveland. Over the weekend, uh, another win back on the winning track for St. Louis City SC. They blanked the hated Kansas City Wizards 4 nothing. Edwin Lowen putting the St. Louis City SC side on top. Versus McIntosh. Lubin scores! Gets McIntosh to go the wrong way! St. Louis strikes first! 1-0, they take the lead over their rivals from across the state. And the uh, Lubin got the winner, the City SC side would add three more. <laughs> it was the winner, right? And uh, Counts. And we win a clean sheet for uh, Roman Berkey, who's going to join us on the show coming up at 9.15. But a great victory. Man, a dominant victory. It felt like they really needed that, right? They just needed a game where they were dominant and where they were playing their game. We keep talking about that. It's very simple, but at the same time, it felt like it got back to that. I think that there was a lot of factors. You didn't have Klaus, which I think we were all hoping because he went from that injured list to questionable that he would be available for this weekend, and he wasn't. But I think this says a lot that they were able to get back on track. I do think Blom coming back probably had a lot to do with it, too, because it seemed like that was a missing piece as well because he was a part of that kind of original spine when they were building this roster and team. Yeah, just to, to get the win, as you said, getting back in and winning in dominant fashion against your rival. Uh, I guess it's a rival. It's, it's oh, yeah. As Joe Horn used to say, though, when he was with the New Orleans Saints against the uh, St. Louis Rams, to be a rivalry, doesn't one team have to be able to beat the other yeah, once in a while? There you go. So, yeah. They, 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 sent out a, they took shots in a video on yeah, Thursday right before, Carrie. I don't care about social media or, and, and, and what and the, and the, and the social media team puts together. But if the social media team puts something together, don't get whitewashed 4-0. You, you, I mean, you got to play. Now. <laughs> Andy, Andy Vassilov said it best. He said the, the fans said they hated SKC, so we hate SKC. Yeah. Like, okay. they, they, that's they the right approach. That, that's the that best way beautiful. to go about it. What's, and, what's, and your point about what's, it's, it's a, yeah, that's Kansas City Wizards. Excuse Thank me, sorry. You. Um, and your point about Blom's huge. I mean, they, they didn't have uh, they didn't have Nelson, so they were they were a man down essentially, yeah. changing things around on the back four. They didn't have Klaus, so they didn't have the the front, but they had the midfield. And Vasilev, yes. Leuven, and Blom played an incredible game. And, I, and you talked a lot to Vasilev and Leuven afterwards, and all they had to say about Blom was just what he does allows us to do everything else. And so finally they're able to break through because their best players were able to play a little bit more free because they got Blom back. He's incredible. Does Vasilev become a big enough star in this town that people start naming their kids after him? Indiana? Indiana. A family named Jones? (laughs) <laughs> oh my God! They, you have to strike with that one, right? Like that's that's Big a time. good opportunity. Indiana, Indiana from Savannah is just—I love it so much. Yeah. There, I feel like there has to be a lot of Nolans out there. Oh no! In St. Louis, right? Hey, heck! After after yesterday's game yeah. or after Saturday's game, there's gonna be a couple Romans in like 18 years yeah. that you see popping mm. up. A lot of dogs <laughs> named Yachty in the St. Louis metro yes. area. There is. Yeah. Which is cool. I like it. NHL playoffs, Vegas over the Stars in overtime on Saturday night, 3-2. Vegas lead, or no, last night, 3-2. Vegas leads by a score, or by a a count of 2-0 in that best of seven. And last night, the the Heats, they took care of the Celtics big time, 128-102. As they mentioned on the telecast, Miami just took (laughs) Boston's heart. They just, uh, they, they... Stuck their hand into the Celtics' hearts and just took the heart right out of them. I I have never. I mean, they they the Celtics didn't play their starters the entire fourth quarter. 
it was really bad. They were down by 30-plus at one point. It just it looked like a lifeless team. Jalen Brown and, and, and Jason Tatum were, were, I think, one for 12 from three-point. Mm-hmm. They just – and their body language. Jalen Brown's body language, I saw him miss a three-point. He kind of walked back, had his head down. And Miami is just continuing to play. It is – outstanding to watch them play in the manner in which they are. They were a play-in team. They were the eighth seed, mm-hmm. and they are beating whoever, whomever comes in their face, and they're going to they're gonna take care of business. In this era of basketball, is Pat Riley the greatest executive? All due respect to Bob Myers and what he's done with Golden State. All due respect to what a guy like Danny Ainge did with Boston. But to have four undrafted guys playing regular minutes for you and to never have the top pick in the yeah. draft. And Jimmy Butler's really the only Hall of Fame quality guy on that team. And they keep doing it again and again and again with different casts of characters. They are. I mean, I, I think so. I think Pat Riley and, and his demeanor and how he carries and goes about his business. You saw what he did, you know, with the show time Lakers and then he went to New York and they almost were able to win a championship but he he had a tough hard-nosed group and he said you know what I'm gonna take it down to South Beach and really that same mentality of of just fighting from from the tip off to the end of the game is really what this Miami team is and it doesn't matter who they're playing they are going to be more physical, they are going to be stronger willed, and they're going to fight harder than than most teams that they're playing against. Teams up 3 nothing, 149 and 0 in best of seven NBA series. The Heat up 3 nothing, and the Nuggets up 3 nothing on the Lakers. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, three things we loved about the weekend. Well, uh, let's make it six things we loved about the weekend. Uh, that'll be the total. And it's coming your way here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. about the weekend, but it's actually not three. It's two each, so it's a total of six. It used to be three, but for time, time constraints. Time constraints, yeah. We, <laughs> right. we, yeah, we now moved to further action. <laughs> <laughs> Number two. What do you got? Well, I was just going to say that it was a very fun weekend in St. Louis, especially Saturday night. I don't know if you guys know. I think we talked about this a little bit. It was a weekend of three things, big things happening over at Enterprise Center, which is where I was stationed. I was watching good old Thomas Rhett. How at our, go? Oh, it was Swindale. great. And Cole Swindell, our buddies uh. of the show, um, <laughs> and had a great time. I actually ran into a listener named Lauren. And hey, she's a huge fan and listens every single morning. And so after meeting her, I was like, girl, I need you to text in. So I'm expecting a text from Lauren today uh, to give some of her opinions. But it was just a great weekend because you had that going on. You had City SC, who won. You had the Cardinals play a game against the Dodgers. They also won. So it was just an exciting Saturday in St. Louis. Not great for finding an Uber, but that's fine. I'll take it. Um, surge prices were definitely surging. Uh, oh, my but other than that, I, I, I like to see all that happening in downtown in a weekend where everybody's going out there having fun. Better act Cole Swindale or Thomas Rhett? Oh, Thomas Rhett by like a million. Okay. Thomas Rhett by a million. To Brooks Point, I got out of the city game and I almost missed the last Metrolink. Like, I got there one minute before the very last Blue Line train and I was checking Uber just in case. And at, at, at almost midnight, an Uber back to Afton from downtown was $75. Ooh. I got to start driving. 
Goodness gracious. It's usually like, it's usually like 19. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my number two, I, I I know you know you know this about me, Randy. I, I like it when athletes get angered and, and frustrated. And John Rahm proved me well this weekend. He dropped a couple of F-bombs as he hit into the <laughs> out of bounds and, and tore up a microphone. It, it, for me, mm-hmm. a person that golfs in that manner. I love seeing professional golfers just go on a rampage, break a club, yell, curse, get mad, tear up a microphone. We all have been there. We all have wanted to, at some point, if you've played golf long enough, wanted to snap a club or throw a club. There you go, Randy. You want to snap it over your knee like Bo Jackson did with his baseball bat. (laughs) Those are the things we want to do when we are playing this game because it is so frustrating. And John John Rahm is one of us. And I am thankful for that. I am thankful to hear it, to see it, because what makes it, it's beautiful. It really is. It was great. I was, I was channeling my inner John Rom just watching him. Just break it. Go Guys, ahead. Speaking of beautiful, we have 30, 35, maybe 40 beautiful days in St. Louis every year. And it couldn't have been more beautiful than it was this weekend. And to get out on the course with Matthew Rocchio and our friend Chris Muir from Golf Discount of St. Louis, he's at the O'Fallon store on Saturday. Man, we, we had a great time. The weather was fantastic. Didn't hit the ball particularly well, but it was it was a fun time. And then we headed over and uh, <laughs> we took care of some appetizers. Uh, so, so that was great. And then yesterday got out for a, a bike ride and uh, one thing about, because we only have the finite number of great days in St. Louis, I like to take advantage of them. And uh, my number two this weekend is taking advantage of the beautiful weather here in St. Louis. I think I ate every meal outside this weekend. That's awesome. Yeah. You had to, right? It was beautiful. It wasn't too hot yet. Go that's out, a, enjoy That's it. the key. Yes. If it's not too hot, <laughs> yep. count me in. And when it's, it's hot outside, I'm <laughs> finding me some AC and I'm going from the car to the house, house to the car. I'm barely stopping to say hello. Our our highs this, this week and every day completely sunny, 82, 85, 88, 80, 78. And then next weekend for Memorial Day weekend, 81, 84 for the highs. So take advantage of it. Get Carrie, outside. Can we get you outside with like a lawn chair and some sunglasses? No. Oh, I spend too much time outside. I'm be outside a lot in Two the days. summer. Yeah. Doing, yeah. So <laughs> when I don't, like if I am can go from house to car, car I'm going straight there. I'm not stopping. Number one. So my number one, I'm going to start this by saying, look, I think that we all know and appreciate Nolan Gorman here, right? Especially mm-hmm. what he's done this season. So when I say this, I know that the Cardinals are a national brand. There's fans everywhere. But I feel like with what happened this week and specifically Saturday, put him even more in the national spotlight. You know, he would, he had an opportunity to be in the national spotlight. Anytime you play the Dodgers, there's going to be even more eyeballs on that game. And Saturday, he was especially able to do that. The way that he spiked his bat, I mean, we <laughs> really cool. don't see emotion for it. Because, I mean, the thing is, I've, ta- I've talked to him a couple of times, and he is just very down-to-earth, very quiet. And so I was not expecting to see that kind of emotion for, from him. But he had the opportunity to shine in the spotlight, and he took full advantage of it against the Dodgers. So I thought that it was just a huge weekend for Nolan Gorman, especially for everything that he's doing right now, too. He deserves to be an everyday player. I know he got sat yesterday because it was a scheduled day mm-hmm. off, and if he's still dealing with that lower 
lower back tightness that he says that he kind of deals with all throughout the season. I understand that, but he deserves to be an everyday player and he's doing good against lefty guys. So we're kind of killing that narrative as well, too. Yeah, he, he's got 13 home runs so far this year. He only he had 14 all of, all of last year, 64 hits last year. He's at 42, 64 hits last year. He's at 42 mm-hmm. right now. He is going to do outstanding. And, and I know you talked about um, all-star MVP votes because of just specifically being a DH. But if he continues on this path, 35, 40 home runs, which I think is attainable for him because of how he hits the ball and how well he's hitting it, uh, I think it's going to be a great season for him. By the way, that was because I was thinking about the same thing. Here is that home run. One of the emerging young hitters in the National League. He's got two on with one out in the eighth. And he cranks the ball. Okay, so it was a 3-3 game. He makes it a 6-3 game. So not only is he hitting home runs, but a lot of them are in the clutch. Okay, my question is this. Have we established that he's pretty good? Yes. Yes. Does somebody deserve credit for that? Mm. For the Cardinals bringing up a good young player? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Just wondering. Yes. Okay. I mean, he's he's performing extremely well, and it's fun to watch. Uh, my number two, uh, Randy. You're number and, one. Oh, I'm sorry. My number one. I forgot. We, we only have two now. My number one is watching the Lakers and the Celtics go down 0-3. I mean, it's, uh, you know, there was so much talk. Oh, the Lakers and the Celtics and the rivalry. They both have X number of championships. Wouldn't it be great to see them in the finals for it? No, it wouldn't. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see the Lakers there. The Celtics were there last year. They had an opportunity. I the I thought that the Celtics would be able to win this series, but the way that the Miami Heat are taking it to them, I don't think anyone could have predicted this. I, I was listening to uh, something yesterday, and they said the Celtics were favored by three going into last night's game, and Miami must have taken that personally because they beat them by 26. So, it's it's there is really no rhyme or reason for how poorly this Celtics team is playing. I know why the Lakers are losing. They can't stop uh, Jokic or, or Jamal Murray. I kind of thought the NBA would want Lakers Celtics. Yeah, I, I guess it's not fixed. I guess it's not rigged. I guess they didn't. Yeah. The, the NBA has switched up the script. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Uh, Brooke and Kerry, I'm a Blues fan. I'll be a Blues fan forever. But I have a new favorite NHL player, and he did it again on Saturday. Markov wins the draw. Here's Montour. Bad advantage for the Panthers. Burns and Bennett come together. Bennett with the puck. Bennett cross ice. Kachuk scores! He does it again! Matthew Kachuk, a minute 51 seconds into overtime. A quick exit down the runway. It was just spectacular. It was reminiscent of Jordan Bennington when the Blues won in overtime in uh, it wasn't in overtime, but in Winnipeg in uh, 2019 in the run. Just getting off the ice, and then he's hugging all of his teammates and going, bus in 10, so that they could uh, <laughs> move on. And Matthew Kachuk does everything. He's charismatic. He scores. He fights. He's feisty. He desperately wants to win, and he desperately hates losing. He is so quintessentially old-school St. Louis Blues and so much his dad's son, and he's my favorite <laughs> player in the league. Yes. It's been nice to see him in a blues uniform. Yeah. Oh it, give, I, I'm sure yeah. Army would like to have that one back. You, you got two wins in both in overtime, and he's the one to, to seal the Best player in the playoffs. Seal the game. Best it, player it, in the playoffs. Hands down. Yeah.
and generally you have the best player, the best goalie, you're going to win. Yep. Also, this is just good for kind of U.S.-born hockey players, too. I, I just feel like for a U.S.-born hockey player to get that much spotlight as mm-hmm. well, I think that only helps with the fandom. Bringing in younger fans, I feel like more and more kids now, especially here in the U.S., are joining hockey. And to see somebody like that playing at that level and what he's able to do, I think, is huge as well. And it just, like you said, CD, I, I will not get over the fact that I just want him to be a blue so bad because that just would have been such a huge piece, especially when you're looking at leadership moving forward after Ryan O'Reilly's exit. He would solve that problem a lot, and it seems like he elevates everybody around him. He's good at playing the villain, but he's kind of like Wilson Contreras, like they said, yeah. like you hate playing against him, but love when he's on your side. That's what we love about the weekend here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Cardinals, 11 of 14 now. Time for the bird watch next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It is time for the Bird Watch. We always like to give you a thought about the Cardinals as our morning unfolds here on 101 ESPN. Brooke, Carrie, and Randy. Brooke, what is your thought this morning? So my bird watch is that Wills Contreras continuing to prove that, one, he's doing really well. He's a great catcher, but also that he's living rent-free in people's heads. I don't know if you guys saw what happened with Max Muncy yesterday. Uh, he was pretty frustrated. He was tossed by the third base ump after Muncy didn't like a called strike three. And this is what Muncy had to say afterwards about it. It's the frustration that was kind of happening out there and honestly what everything that led up to the ejection uh yeah i think it was just kind of a weekend long frustration that was building up and it was uh for me it wasn't about the call i mean these guys are human they're going to call the games how they see it and to me that's the beautiful thing about this game and to me that's always been the beautiful thing about the game for me it was how the calls were happening um the pitch before was almost the exact same location and whether it's a ball or strike i don't care he called it how he saw it he called it a ball and for the catcher to sit there and tell him that that's a terrible call and he missed it and he needs to be better, and then the next one he gives it to him, that to me is where the frustration was coming from, and I felt like that was happening all weekend long. I felt like they were getting bullied. You know what? I I know that we probably can't because of copyright reasons, but we should be able to play that song In Your Head by the Cranberries. (laughs) In your head. Totally. I know you guys don't want me to sing it, but I sang it a little (laughs) bit because Wilson Contreras is doing a really good job of getting in people's heads. And I assume, I know that they didn't go into much detail about what 
you know, kind of the plan was for Wilson Contreras and what they wanted to see from him. But I assume that they discussed a lot with Contreras about his communication with the umpires, maintaining that relationship and how that could kind of benefit everybody, including the pitchers, where the pitchers feel more comfortable with him, too, behind the plate, because you always want somebody advocating for you. And it seems like Wilson Contreras really knows how to get underneath people's skin in a good way for the Cardinals. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I love the fact that Max Muncy used the term bullied because that's what the Cardinals <laughs> did when Tony LaRusso was their manager. They bullied the opposition. If you can bully the umpires into giving you calls, mm-hmm. all the better. I mean, it's not against the rules, so yeah. great. And you did. You got into his head so much that he got thrown out of a game. Yes. So pretty cool. And by the way... I, I do admire Max Muncy for being so transparent about all that too. Yeah. You know, major league players don't do that. Yeah. They don't they don't say, Yeah, he got to me. Yeah, he's what he pretty much said. Good for him. Yep. <laughs> My uh bird watch is gonna be the starting pitching. We we talked about Wilson Contreras, as you said, being behind the plate and the importance of whatever needed to be fixed getting fixed. And so you're starting to see this starting pitching. I feel like they're 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 turning the corner. Um, they're getting five innings into the sixth inning, and a couple of starts you had the Wayne Wright start where he couldn't get the the batter out. He walked him, and so he had to get pulled. Stephen Matz, kind of the same situation. He just didn't get the run support that he needed. He pitched extremely well uh, for for his outing, but just couldn't get the run support. And then. Uh, his last inning allowed some runners to get on, so they had to pull him also. But just watching this starting pitching start to turn the corner, you had mm-hmm. Libertor with his great start. You had Michaelis give you seven innings pitched in his last outing. You're starting to see these guys warm up. The weather's warming up, and you're starting to see them warm up. And you're starting to see that that familiarity with the catchers. Whoever mm-hmm. they decide to have catching for them that day, whether it's Wilson, whether it's Kisner, they're doing a, a much better job. I'm excited to see how the next time through the rotation, what they look like. Does Libertor get another start during that rotation, or is he going to just be the, uh, the, the, the reliever? But either way, I'm excited about what this starting starting rotation has done and what they're them, them turning the corner. To your point, CD, nine straight games in which the Cardinal starters have allowed three or fewer earned runs. Would you like to have more innings? Yes, only three of those nine starts have been quality starts, but five and a third, three runs. Six innings, one run. Seven innings of shutout ball. Five and a third, three runs. Five shutout innings. Five and two-thirds where you allowed two. Four and two-thirds where you didn't allow an earned run. Seven innings and three earned runs two nights ago, and then yesterday, Flaherty, four and two-thirds and three earned runs allowed. And eventually, they'll get to a point, hopefully, mm-hmm. where they'll be more efficient and they'll start to give the team six innings. To me, that's the key. I would, would I like six. to get seven every night? Yes. And not put as much stress on the bullpen. Absolutely. But if I can get a quality start, six innings, three earned runs, most of the time, I'm happy. And the thing that's been, I guess, uh, the the most improvement is they're getting to that spot. Even though there's four and two-thirds or, or five and a third, they're getting to the point where they're almost getting out of those innings, which would – Again, give you six innings, six innings, seven innings. They're walking guys. A couple of times they're walking a guy, and Ali's like, ah, okay, let me let me go out and get the ball from him. But they are in a position where if they get that lead batter out, they'll probably be able to finish that inning and give you a couple of more innings uh, of, of pitching as opposed to getting to your bullpen. And that's how you win. Yep. Pitching, pitching, pitching. You also win with hitting, hitting, hitting. It helps. And one thing that happens when you're good – is that you're good. And what did we say about Nolan Arenado in April? We Oh, he's hurt. Oh, he's unhappy. Oh, he, he feels like he shouldn't have opted in. But in May, 
Nolan Arnauto's hitting 338 with an on base of 383 and a slug of 676 for a 1.058. Uh, OPS. He has hit seven home runs and driven in 20 in the month, and it's only the 22nd. <laughs> Nolan Arnauto is just good, and maybe we, we shouldn't question him anymore. If he has a bad month, he's going to have a bad month, but is Nolan Arnauto more times than not, more months than not, going to be great? Yes. He is one of the two or three best players in the National League, and the rest of the league has accepted it. Maybe we should just buy into it, too. He's a stud. Yes. He is. Yes, I, I believe so too. This is, it, and we've talked about it a lot, but it's no coincidence that this team is doing a lot better with Nolan Arenado doing better too. I mean, he's a huge part of this offense, and I felt like it really was built around the success of Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, but especially Arenado. And then all these other pieces have been kind of nice surprises along the way. No doubt about it. That's our bird watch here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, which is 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO! Take it or leave it. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. Kids, Jim Brown, former Cleveland Browns running back, passed away on Friday. Jim Brown has, among running backs, the third highest yards per rush in history at 5.2. Only Nick Chubb and Jamal Charles are above him, and I don't think that anybody is going to plan on putting Nick Chubb and Jamal Charles into the Hall of Fame in Eight of his nine seasons in the NFL, Jim Brown led the league in rushing. Take it or leave it, the late Jim Brown is the greatest running back in the history of football. Oh, Randy. Ah. That's a tough one. Because it, it for is? me, it's always sweetness. <laughs> it's always Walter mm-hmm. Payton. I, it's hard for me to go against Walter Payton as the, the greatest running back to play the game. Um. I'm gonna leave it because I I, I would I I would take Walter, I just I just Walter's game. We had a chance to see Walter too. Ah, Walter right? was different. Yeah, it was a it was a yeah. That was, and that and was Walter a passed the great Jim Brown. Well, Brown led for a long time. Now Jim Brown, and it's a different sport now. But Brown is 11th all time in rushing yards. But the 5.2 is huge. Uh, Peyton is still second all time to Emmett, and probably will be second for eternity. I'm going to take it, though. And Jim Brown was just such a freak because guards were 235 yeah. pounds at that time, and he was 235 pounds, but he was faster and ran over everybody. And I never got a chance to see him play. Yes. He retired. He could have done so much more. He retired when he was 28. Yeah. And he went to acting, mm-hmm. and he, he left the NFL healthy, but he had other things to do. I'm going to take it. I, I think that if Jim Brown would have played another four years, mm-hmm. he probably would have had another 5,000 yards. And, and his finished. record probably yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so he, he would be at... He'd be at 17,000 yards, He'd be, and that would have been a pretty much unbreakable record. Yeah. Uh, so 
Randy, we were talking about the outfield situation and and one Tyler O'Neill still on the mend. Take it or leave it, he's never again an everyday starter for the Cardinals. Mm, this is a good one. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to say the Cardinals give him an opportunity to increase his market value by playing him for about two weeks in a row. Here's why I don't think, well, maybe, maybe that way, but... Oscar Mercado is playing well, Mm -hmm. and Jordan Walker is going to be here at some point, and he's going to be in left field, I'm going to assume. Mm -hmm. Also, happy birthday to him, by the way. It's his 21st birthday birthday today. Enjoy it wherever you are. Go have a cold cold wherever you are. Yep, he's up to uh, two seventeen, by the way, with a hot weekend. He's had a he had a three game he's had a three game hitting streak right now. Yeah. I think I think that is a good good interesting topic, CD, because you are going to wonder how they're going to handle this, and on top of that too, Dylan Carlson when he returns, what that's going to do to it as well. Yeah. Because it it just sucks because Oscar Mercado is doing everything right right now, but sometimes too in this situation, you got to give Tyler O'Neill another chance. To Randy's point, and I'm not saying I'm not saying that it's good, but I'm just Man. saying you got to find something trade value wise for he, him. He played pretty well while he was healthy. Look at that film, fellas, guys, GMs. <laughs> That's um, what I'd say. I, I just, this is an extraordinary. Because what if he goes out there and, and doesn't perform well? Then you put yourself, I mean, based on what he did prior to his injury, it wasn't terrible. It was, it was, it was pretty decent. So what if he goes out there and gets hurt again or struggles and now you're you're trying to trade him in as an everyday guy, and it's you you lose the value that you do have at this point. Well, I don't know if you have any at this point. People will look at that the 34 home run season, right? But they're going to look more at his durability. And what's the most important ability to have in baseball? Availability. Availability. And he's yes. just not available. By the way, love what Oscar Mercado has done here in his 11 plate appearances. But in five years, he's got a 684 career OPS. So. I'm not so sure that what we're seeing right now from Oscar Mercado is the real Oscar Mercado. You don't think it's sustainable? Um, not for him. <laughs> we'll see. No. Yeah. All we need is is two to three more weeks of this, mm-hmm. and then Jordan Walker will be here. Hmm. That's what I'm saying. That's why I think uh, two to three more <laughs> weeks of this, Jordan Walker goes on a, a two to three week run mm-hmm. of what what he's capable of. Two to three weeks. How long will Tyler O'Neill be on his uh, on his rehab stint? How much more week. time does it? There you go. So that's one week down. Two weeks after that, Oscar Mercado is still performing mm-hmm. extremely well. Jordan Walker is performing well. Has O'Neill played at that point? Nah. Yeah. He, he he's played sparingly, but not as an as an everyday guy. Not in those two weeks when he returns. See. Okay. See, I think you need to give him a week, and then he's back on the IL. <laughs> Randy, be nice. <laughs> we, we want the best for everyone. All right, take it or leave it, guys. Uh, this weekend, Brooks Kepka, the first live player to win a major. Take it or leave it. He kind of won out in this whole situation. You get that big giant contract with live, and you're still able to win a major too. I, I don't know. That kind of seems like a Bro. win-win situation. That's a lot of money coming in totally for Brooks Kepka, Kepka, and it worked out. And wearing his Nike stuff, not his live yeah. stuff, and saying afterwards, yeah, I'm not really worried about the live thing. I'm, I'm more thinking about myself here. He, he's he got it figured out. <laughs> that yeah. sounds right. He, yeah. Got, he signed, what was it, a $100 million contract? Yeah, he won, he, he won 3% of his signing bonus yesterday. Yeah, pretty good. That's like somebody, I, I saw Darren Ravelson on a tweet. And he's like, "The big money winner today has to be Michael Block making two hundred eighty grand." Somebody's like, "Um, Brooke made three point, you know, one point three million." It's like, 
Yes, but when you look at the relative case, who's the bigger winner here, yeah. pal? Yeah, Michael Block said his his highest uh, payout for for a, a check that he ever received was seventy five thousand prior to that. It's a big, it's a big jump. Yeah, it's a lot it's of money. It's expensive after, especially if you want. I uh, especially going on the tour, you have to pay for your caddy. You much, also have to pay to what the caddies. Yeah. I don't, it, it probably depends on the on the player, but I mean, you're paying for their travel expenses. You're okay. paying for a lot of different things. So I think that sometimes you see that big giant purse, which I know that that gets split up amongst people. You make a base rate of uh, 1500 to 300, uh, 1500 to 3000 per tournament plus a percentage of the winnings. Hmm. What percentage, though? I guess that's... Is it 10%? Player Is it 20%? Caddy. I think it's different per caddy, yeah. I could probably do 10% of 285. So are you are you putting out there that you want to be somebody's caddy? <laughs> I would gladly walk <laughs> your clubs around and give you advice on which now, whether or not we... I, I don't know which club to hit most times. I usually ask Randy or Chris, but... <laughs> but you can make suggestions. I can make suggestions. I am great at that. And I am... My conviction, Randy, will have you believing <laughs> this is the right choice. So, there you go. <laughs> uh, take it or leave it. Bring up Luke and Baker to the DH and play Nolan Goldman at second base full-time. Expand that Cardinals lineup and bench. Leave it. Leave that. That's not happening. Yeah. I, I think that it, it is great what Luke and Baker is doing, but I think Randy, you've mentioned mentioned before that it's just not his. There's just not this is not the right time for him, and also it's not like he was like a very highly touted prospect right, too. Right, right, and he might wind up doing something. He might have a, a Luke Voigt type career, but around baseball, he's not really regarded as a, a top level prospect. He's much more of a a mid level guy. Take it or leave it. Cardinals should trade to Young now while he is worth something. Leave it. Because if you trade Paul DeYoung now, Mason win. We love him. He's going to be here, but he's not ready. Mm. And I like what Tommy Edmond is doing, but I like Edmond. I like elite defense. And DeYoung provides elite defense at short, and Edmond does at second. Do you like Edmond in the outfield? Yeah, if you need him out there, I'm okay with him out there. But I don't, I don't want. I him only out there. want one infielder that in the outfield. I think you yeah. should only have one of those guys. Brendan Donovan is your one. You, you shouldn't have two guys playing in the outfield. Two infield, Agreed. two infielders playing in yeah. the outfield. Yeah, and you got the injuries now, so yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. But yeah, I've, and by the way, taking nothing away from Nolan Gorman, who's really played well at second and has developed into a really nice second baseman. I don't know if he's a, a Gold Glover, but to me, if you have DeYoung at short, Edmund at second, and Dylan Carlson in center. You've got a potential three gold gloves up the middle. I like it. I will not be satisfied until we get multiple games with both Tommy Edmund and Brendan Donovan at the corner infield. That's that's the that's the height corner of infield? The corner outfield, I mean, sorry. That's the oh, height, I was that's like, the height of Cardinals comedy <laughs> is somehow finding Just a lineup with both of them. But Tommy Edmund can play. Tommy, Tommy yeah. man, they both they both Brendan can play. Don, I like Brendan, Brendan, the, Brendan yeah. Donovan better in outfield. It's not because of the defense, it's just because of the lineup construction factor. They huh? used to have a log jam in the outfield and now, well, now we're playing two of our infielders in yeah, the outfield right. in the same game. It was pretty funny to me. Uh take it or leave it. The Cardinals have a seven and road trip. Isn't it a six? I'm gonna leave that. Cleveland and Cincinnati. Yeah, I saw yeah, Shane Bieber pitching last night, and they'll they'll see Bieber in Cleveland. Yeah, so I'm gonna leave it. Six and one. No, yeah, five yeah, and two. Yeah, you go five and two. I'd be happy with that. 
And also, we're still waiting to hear when Matthew Libertor will get his start, too, right? Yeah, and don't you think after he pitched yesterday, they they go with, he he probably pitches in Cleveland. My guess is that Montgomery, Wayno, Matt's, Michaelis in Cincinnati, and then maybe you see Libertor in game one in uh, in Cleveland. In Cleveland? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Get into Matt's start from the other day at some point. Yeah. What a stud. (laughs) <laughs> we gotta. I had to read this one for Randy. Take it or leave it. By the end of June, Larsa Pippen will be associated with somebody from the NBA champions. Oh, uh, leave it. Unless you think the Lakers are bouncing back. I'm trying to think. Oh, you think because uh, Scottie Pippen Jr. Oh yeah, she found her. She found her one. <laughs> well, her son plays yeah. for. Yeah, it's uh, Marcus Jordan. Man. He's, he's the unicorn. Who on the Nuggets or on the Heat? It could be. I could see uh, so Michael Porter Jr. Max Struess would be hilarious. Michael Porter Jr. is a is a oh you know she 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 lives in Miami. No, No. she's dating Marcus Jordan. Oh, I thought we're saying saying who she who's potential. Max Max Struess would be the funniest one. Well, let's hold on here. Let's do some work. (laughs) We'll find we'll find Lars's soulmate. One second here. Uh, (laughs) Jimmy buckets. No, he's too old. Uh, How old is he? Thirty. Four, oh, you're uh, right. She does like the that younger younger age. Yeah, Jimmy range. Buckets is 33. So she, yeah, she's um, okay. Could it be Tyler Hero? 23. Mm, I don't know, Randy. There might be a reason why he's not the guy. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think I, I think I see what you're saying there. Yeah. Okay, take it or leave it. Um, okay. Oh gosh. Uh, uh, okay, I don't. This is, okay, this is different. Bam out of bio. Ooh. Okay, I, I'm okay. 25 years old. Okay. <laughs> He's kind of like Scotty. Yeah. He's got some Scotty in him. There you go. I feel it. I like that one. <laughs> I think she will too. That'd one more, one more, Randy. Yeah, one more. <laughs> Take it or leave it with Walker, Baker, Wynn, Newt, Donovan, Edmund, Carlson, Gorman, Yepes, and Burleson. Somebody is going to get away and have a great career for another club. Oh, totally take it. It's 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 baseball. It's sports. They're just too good at developing players. You, you, well, it's it's that it's the fact that you cannot. You just don't have enough space for all of those people, right? Mm-hmm. And eventually. You know, get traded or guys um, get cut or whatever the case may be. When you have a lot of talent in a lot of different places, it's going to be hard to keep all of the, all of those guys, especially if you have a need at something else and at a different position. CD and Brooke, we know that Cardinal fans they they love their guys. I mean, they hate the fact that Randy Rosarain is playing for the Tampa Bay Rays and playing so well, and that Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gallen are doing what they're doing and. I know it's going to hurt your heart coming up on Wednesday night. The Cardinals do have to face Luke Weaver. And I know you hated that trade, <laughs> right? You hated that because all you got out of that was the MVP and you gave up Luke Weaver and Carson Kelly and Andrew Young. <laughs> um, so I, I know that you, you got to fire him. That, that's a fire mo, right? Isn't that ah. a fireable offense when you gave up Luke Weaver to, to get Paul Golds? Come on. I what are we doing? What were you thinking? Yeah. yeah. So Definite, definite state. On Moe's record, for sure. Yeah, it is. So, And you know what? So is, uh, I mean, you gave up Mateo Gill, and you gave up Ella Harris Montero, and Austin Gomber, and uh, Jake Summertime. You, all those guys that you gave up for that. Uh, Last time I saw, checked yeah. on Gomber, he had like a Yari over six. So, Well, it seems to me that I Gomber was supposed to be the one, wasn't he? 
Well, he he was supposed to be the one, but he, you could think of this: you could have Ella Harris Montero playing third for you right now, hmm. and you just you made that trade. Fire Mo, fire Mo. <laughs> okay, there you go. Oh. Uh, that's take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. Coming up, aside from Tony Gonsolin on Friday, the Cardinals really took care of the Dodgers' elite pitching. So, how about this Cardinal offense showing up against really good pitching? What's that tell you? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Dodgers rolled into town with a hot streak and some pretty good starting pitching. Uh, Jose Urias was lit up by the Cardinals and found his, himself, I think, with a bruised ego on the IL. Uh, yeah, he said it was a hamstring. Uh, yes. Maybe a hamstring, but I think they just got they, they messed him up. Got mentally. in his head, too? Yep. He goes three innings. He allows six earned runs on six hits. Walked two and struck out only one. He allowed four home runs. Noah Syndergaard, who's up and down, goes five, and he allows three earned runs against the Cardinals. And then Clayton Kershaw yesterday came in with a record of six and two. He only goes three and two-thirds. He allows five hits. It looked like a postseason game. Five hits, four earned runs, three walks, and six strikeouts. And the Cardinals light up Clayton Kershaw, too. The Cardinal offense is hitting good pitching. And that's been a valid complaint about Cardinal hitting over the years is that they don't hit good pitching. Um, one of my responses is, well, it's hard to hit good pitching because that's why it's good it's pitching, good right? Pitching. <laughs> but the Cardinals are hitting everybody now. When you have superb hitters, and I think we can put Nolan Gorman into this mix now along with Arenado and Goldschmidt, they are elite. That middle lineup for the Cardinals is elite. It's a it's it's dangerous and it's um when you're when you have to go, Goldie, Gorman, Arenado, Contreras, that's a tough four batter stretch that you you're gonna have. And then you got on the back end of that, you got Paul DeYoung, who is who'd you Honus Wagner? Honus Wagner. Yep, yep. My apologies. <laughs> he's he's performing extremely well. So you got a lot of talent in the meat of that lineup, and they are they are hitting the ball well. They are seeing the ball well. And then when you add the 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 back end of the lineup, that is also you get Brendan Donovan hitting the ball. You got Oscar Mercado coming out of nowhere hitting hitting baseballs. They're doing a fantastic job. And and this is kind of what we thought this lineup would be. Different names, obviously, but we mm-hmm. really thought that this lineup would be a, a, a hard lineup to get through for opposing pitchers. We said it would be eight runs a game, and when they're winning their games, they are hitting the ball well and driving in a lot of runs. Especially when they hit, you know, when they're able to homer in games two. Have you guys noticed that too? That typically in games that they hit a home run in, that they tend to either win or do well. And yep. I believe it's this weekend improved to 18 and 13 in games where they homer. So I think that that's really interesting, too, because it seems like that's what they're building this offense, too, is surrounding just, like, a lot of power. And that's what you're seeing. Remember, that's what Nolan Gorman said that he worked on this offseason, and it seemed to be working out for well for him. It seems like this offense is built 
to hit with a lot of power, and they're doing that right now. And the way that they were able to do it against the Dodgers, too, I think says a lot. And I think you can categorize that as a measuring stick weekend for the Cardinals offense, that they're able to do that. Even when the pitching's not great or getting you deep into the games, it feels like pitching at this point, starting rotation-wise, is just to do enough to give the offense a chance. The thing I like about what I'm seeing from this team now is even when they're down or if they are, you know, the game gets tied, they give up a couple of runs, you don't feel the panic, the, oh, here we go again, mm-hmm. feeling that you had earlier in the season. Earlier in the season, if they had a, a two-run lead and they gave up four runs the next inning, it was over. Yeah. You could just say, you know, it is done. It could be the third inning, and the game would be over from that point. But now you feel like, okay, they scored a couple of runs on us. The next time we get back-to-back, we're going to even this game up or we're going to take the lead. And and that may be the feeling that Nolan Gorman, when he hits that home run to 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 go up uh, by three in the eighth inning, you you slam the bat down. You're excited. <laughs> that, those are the moments that teams live for, and each one of those members of that team, they remember those moments throughout the season, and they start to feel like. No matter what the score is, no matter how many runs we give up, we're always in this game because of who we have coming up to bat. I'll be interested to see what happens with the Cardinal offense against, at best, mediocre pitching in that little ballpark in Cincinnati this week. I would think that the Cardinals should, with the way they're hitting the ball, should be able to feast. Sometimes things turn around and you run into pitching that you don't think is as good as uh, what it what it really is or what it performs like on a particular night. Mm-hmm. But if the Cardinals hit like they did on this homestand in Cincinnati, they might hit 20 home runs over the four games. Yeah, and especially in like one through nine, too. I mean, that sounds like really simple, is that you have to be really talented one through nine and a threat one through nine. And you look at yesterday, too, it was the bottom of the lineup that really carried that group with Oscar Mercado and also Paul DeYoung. And that's what you need sometimes, right? Because it felt like kind of, to your point, what you were talking about earlier, earlier this season, if Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt weren't going, then they weren't going anywhere. That's what yeah, it, that's yeah, what it right. literally felt like. Yeah, I think you are. They are at a point now where you know if Goldie is struggling, Arenado is hitting, but everyone yeah. else is picking them up, and it's it's it just felt like earlier in the season Nolan was Nolan Arenado was struggling mightily, and it was the entire team felt like they just couldn't get anything going, but now. Everyone is seeing the ball well. Everyone is hitting the ball well. And they're having fun. I think that's the most important part that, that sometimes get left. Why? Why does that matter? Because if you're if you're struggling, going to the ballpark every single day, going to work every single day is, think about it, anyone's job. When you're not having fun or you don't like the people that you work with or you're you're, you're drained from, from getting up every morning and going to the same job, it becomes mundane. But when you enjoy the people that you work with, when you're enjoying having success, it makes it more... It makes it fun to be there and be a part of it. And now they're winning. It's all it's all tying together right now. And it, and every single part of it is performing well. The pitching is performing well. The hitting is performing well. The fielding is. You've had a, a few errors at untimely uh, at untimely times, but all in all, they all are are doing what they need to do. And I asked Ollie last week about the the defense and what what's happened. And he said, well, nothing's really changed. What am I going to do? Tell Arenado to catch the ball better? Or tell Edmund to catch the ball better? <laughs> right. I mean, when it's those guys, gold glove winners, you got yeah. you got Paul Goldschmidt not getting low enough yeah. and the ball going yeah. right through the five hole. He's not able to pick a ball, you know, on a short hop. You know, those things are, you, you just kind of look at it and say, they, they were probably mm-hmm. due 
for Arnado to skip a ball over there. They were due for, for Goldie not to stay down on the ball. Yeah. And you just move on from it. And also just growth from players, too. Going back to Nolan Gorman and his amazing weekend. I mean, he... John Denton just put out an article about how this has been a huge goal for Gorman to be able to be an everyday guy for this group. And you just see his growth in this, his growth with hitting high fastballs, his ho- his growth with hitting against lefties, too. That feels like that narrative is gone now after this weekend, too. And he's been such a huge part of this group. His growth has been a big story this season behind the Cardinals' success. And all last year... The Cardinals were looking for a left-handed hitter. They they brought up every single left-handed hitter in the organization. That's why Burleson and and Donovan and all those guys. Now you got the thump, the left-handed thump that you were looking for. That's Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. And that's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the voice of your St. Louis Blues, Chris Kerber, joins us on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. One, two, three, four. Markov wins the draw. Here's Montour. Bad advantage for the Panthers. Burns and Bennett come together. Bennett with the puck. Bennett cross ice. Kachuk scores! He does it again! Matthew Kachuk, a minute 51 seconds into overtime. A quick exit down the runway. What were you saying to the guys on the ice right after that goal? Boston 10. <laughs> he sounds just like his dad. That's Matthew Kachuk after scoring that winner against Carolina the other night. Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues, joins us here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Brooke, Carey, and Randy Kerbs. Good morning. How you doing? Randy, I'm awesome today. How are you? Everything's good. Don't you love the demeanor of that guy? He's If ever there was a father's son, Matthew Kachuk is Keith Kachuk's son, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, and you put Brady right there with him. Yep. I'll tell you something. When I saw that... And you watch what he's doing. You just realize that he's found a whole other level in the NHL. And I, I was, you know, we, we were on a text chain with with Panger and Joey Vitale, John Kelly, and yeah, I had just, I, I don't know that the league. I mean, we haven't seen a player like, like Matthew Kachuk since Jerome McGinley, what back in 07, 08 maybe. And you know, it's just fun to watch. But the way he's dominating, he's been clutch, and then he just seems to control that scenario. It's pretty clear he may have the A on his jersey, but he might just be the captain of that team. Well, Curbs, I want to ask you, we get a couple of texts coming in this morning kind of wanting to know the same thing. I'm sure you saw the report coming out this weekend from The Athletic that Doug Armstrong um, is possibly on the move. Is there a lot that you're making of this kind of report tying him to the Maple Leafs right now? No, you know what? I, I Okay, first off, I have not texted Doug or asked him anything. He's involved with the World Championships. Uh, I This one to me, no. Like, I, I don't know what is in his contract. The, the report that came out, it originally, and I don't think it was the athletic originally, but there, there was an, a report that came out that said, okay, who would be the candidates for Toronto? And then the, the idea behind that was, Brendan Shanahan said he obviously wants an experienced general manager. In the article, that, that again, this one was not the athletic, but it mentioned that there could be somebody like a Doug Armstrong uh, if, and this was the big part here that gets overlooked, if there was a clause in his contract that would allow him out. I, and uh, th- that one would surprise me. Uh, look, if Doug was a free agent, I think that would be a spectacular location for him. But, um, I've got no inside knowledge of what his contract looks like or anything like that, but no, I don't. I don't see much smoke on that one, in my opinion. 
And it seems like, based upon what we've read here, that Brendan Shanahan interfered with what Kyle Dubas was trying to accomplish. If you're Army and you have pretty much autonomy here in St. Louis, and by the way, a market that's much less stressful than Toronto, you don't want somebody like Brendan Shanahan interfering with you trying to build a team. Well, let me throw this at you. Like, I'm not sure, like, what what is Brendan Shanahan one with the Toronto Maple Leafs? doing it that way you know like you know he's the one that brought in Kyle Dubas uh all this has been underneath Brendan Shanahan and you know the funny part about this and this is there is some legitimacy to this like you know Kyle Dubas was is made out to be this this amazing general manager and they've won one playoff round in five years yeah yeah on this rebuild I mean put, put this into perspective with Brendan Shanahan as the president and Kyle Dubas is the general manager. They've won one playoff round in five years, and they did this by getting first overall picks, fourth overall picks. I mean, they, they've had high draft picks. The Blues have had more success than them and haven't picked higher than, than 19th. So I'm not so sure other than, you know, Toronto being the, you know, the center of the hockey universe, you know, how that management team is being made out to be this, spectacular group because this success doesn't back up uh, the case for either Dubas or Shanahan. So, you know, along those lines, I just think that you're absolutely right, Randy. Doug Armstrong has one person that he answers to here in St. Louis, and that's that's Mr. Stillman. That's it. Uh, and and he does. And, and so, yeah, to go where, you know, take a general manager job where you'd have to check in with Brendan Shanahan and, and deal with more than that, I, I don't see that happening unless Brendan Shanahan said, okay, I'll, I'll give you complete autonomy, but that isn't going to happen either. But again, like I said, I, I think there's, I, I think somebody's just throwing some noodles at the wall on this one when, when it just comes to ideas. Curves, we're talking about Armstrong, uh, Doug Armstrong, and, and Matthew Kachuk, and we've had texts from fans their frustration when you see how well Matthew Kachuk is playing right now, uh, him not being here in a Blues uniform, was there ever any realistic chance of him being here? And was there something more that Army could have done to get that, get that, to get him here? Well, I don't, uh, something more, I don't know. Uh, was there a chance? Yeah, the, the, the Blues are one of, I believe, two or three teams that were really in the thick of it right, right to the end. I, I talked to one person that, that said we actually thought we might have had it. Um, you know, but something more, I don't know how much more. As soon as Florida stepped up and offered Jonathan Huberdeau, who had just had a 114-point season, and Mackenzie Weger, who was a top-four defenseman, uh, you know, Brett Trey Living made a move knowing that he had just lost Johnny Gaudreau. And so did, did the Blues have a 100-point player in, in their system to, to trade them? And, and keep in mind, now, we just saw Brad Trey living uh, be let go by the Calgary Flames, right? I mean, he's a guy that, that's being rumored potentially for a couple of general managers' jobs, in, including maybe even the one in Toronto. So uh, Brad Trey living kind of knew that, okay, I just lost Johnny Gaudreau. He flew the coup. Matt Kachuk has said he's not going to resign. And he went on and he picked up a 100-point player in, in Huberto. I mean, that's... I don't think that one was in the end about the St. Louis Blues. I think in the end it was about what Florida was able to offer, and then Brad Trey Living took it. I, I think that's misplaced frustration on the part of Blues fans. Curbs, let's talk about a couple of the Blues prospects, starting with Zach Bolduc, who has led his club, the Quebec Ramparts, to the QMJHL Championship. 
19 points in 18 playoff games. You love to see that. It's, and these guys in the, the Quebec League, they score a ton of points. But it does, even in that league, get a little bit different at playoff time. I like to see that guy step up at this time of year. Yeah, and, and according to some reports, too, he's, he's been a very physical player, or a lot more physical here in these playoffs as well. Um, and probably about 20 minutes ago, Randy, I, I, I retweeted um, a link. Carlo Koliakovo uh, was on a set kind of breaking down that final game that Quebec just played, and, and Bolduc was a big part of it if fans want to go watch it. But, you know, the, there's four teams left. It's good. The, the development and, and winning, if, if even just getting to that Memorial Cup tournament where it's your one of four teams left of all the Canadian junior teams, you learn how you've got to elevate your game. You learn how – uh, you've got to come together as a team, and, and winning does important things like that. So um, it, it's a great thing to have him continuing to go in that tournament and continue to find success. And I, I look, in, in talking to some Blues people, probably with about a third of the season to go, they know that he's turning pro next year. Could he make this team? Sure. I mean, it's all up to him on, on what he wants to do. But uh, there's some defensive responsibility that they're going to want to see him work on and grow. So whether it be Springfield or here, it's going to be fun to watch him turn pro. And then the other one that I am intrigued by is Hofer getting added to Canada's team for the, the world championships. And we don't know how much he'll play, but just to be around that experience with that intensity, it's kind of like a playoff feel. And so for Hofer to be around that at a higher level, I think will really benefit him. Oh, that's huge. I mean, you're going to be in the locker room with NHL players, uh, it has some of them. You're going to be playing against uh, some of the best in these other countries uh, with the NHL. That we're going to whittle down just a few teams left. So I think it's going to be a great experience for him just to be around it. I think it also, keep in mind, there, well, there's two aspects of this. One, kind of shows you maybe how in terms of the national team for pro players, for NHL players, how maybe you know the world championships have lost their luster a little bit. Uh, but two, I mean, it, it also, I think, speaks tremendous volumes as to where Joe Hofer sits in Doug Armstrong's mind in terms of his future. And what Joe Hofer showed Doug Armstrong this year earned him that spot. It's a great opportunity for him. Curbs, uh, how do you like what your Cardinals are doing? Boy, I like the turnaround. It's pretty, Sports is a lot easier when players know exactly their roles when they come to the field, isn't it? That's a curious yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Curbs. I mean, I say, I say that all the time, but like, like sports isn't hard. <laughs> Sports isn't hard. Although it's, it's also quite an amazing turnaround by the catcher in two weeks. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, wow. He's a catcher. He's figured it out. Right. But, uh, but you know what I love? Listen, Randy, I put this out there. I don't know, except for maybe how the salary caps have impacted parity in a positive way in the leagues that have put them in, I don't know that there's been a more positively impactful rule than the pitch clock that baseball has used in the last 20 years. Agree 100%. It is, and it's not just the games being faster, which they are, but for me it's the pace of play and so much downtime that, especially on TV, allowed you to go somewhere else. Now there's action, and if you turn away, you might miss a home run. And when you're at the game, you don't get bored, you don't fall asleep. I think the pitch clock has been huge. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, and like you know, last night I'm watching the Guardians play the Mets, and, and you know, normally Sunday night baseball, if you wanted to watch that, you'd have to block off a four-hour window. You know, like this is just dragging on. It's no, I, I think it's been fantastic. I like the turnaround, and thank goodness the Cardinals are in the division that they're in. And you know, to be what four or five five games under 500 and four or five games out of first place, 
That's a, thank goodness we're in the division. But <laughs> but they're playing well. It's fun. Keep it going and see where it goes. I, I enjoy, Listen, I've gotten to the point that you and I have talked about this a ton, Randy. Like, I can sit down and watch any individual game and enjoy the game for what it is and, and not have to get too wrapped up in the in the, the, the highs and lows of the, uh, you know, fanatical fan, I guess. Yeah, it's... But still be a huge fan. Right, It'd be a, a huge fan, but don't have it guide your emotions on a particular day, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Curbs, have a great week. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Enjoy your holiday weekend, too. All right, you three. Thanks. Have a terrific weekend. All right, brother. That is Chris Kerber, voice of your St. Louis Blues, here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got, uh, we don't, do we have a fighter, Matthew? We, we do. Nobody beat me on Friday, did they? I was. No. no you uh, you shot somebody not. out from the Hall of Fame. Okay. Yeah. Oh, hey, you, you know, I, I hate you, crush, you, you, I hate you, crushing you, dreams, Kerry. I told you, they, they just, <laughs> nameless faces, right? You don't remember names. You don't remember anything. You just, you just stack them up, the pile of, 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 People that you beat every I'm, week. I'm John Wick. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, the yeah, and I really like my dog. <laughs> <laughs> the boogeyman of the fight. Oh, man. We're gonna... <laughs> the fight is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the Back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley and Matthew Rocchio as he yawns and tries to get me to yawn <laughs> prior to <laughs> speaking. Hold Welcome back in. to the fight. Our fighter today is Craig, also known as Craig Awesome. Craig, how you doing? I'm pretty good, Kerry. I'm, uh, you might say awesome. <laughs> I thought your text was hilarious. You said, he, Rock said, what's your name? You said Craig. Then you said awesome. He said, my name is not Craig Awesome. It's just awesome that I'm in the fight. So we are happy to have you here. Are you ready to take on Megamind? As ready as I'm going to be. All right, here we go. So far through 2020, through the 2023 Cardinals season, only two Cardinals players have a 900-plus OPS. Nolan Gorman and who else? Paul Goldschmidt, Tommy Edmond, Paul DeYoung. Uh, I think I want to say Paul DeYoung. Final answer. All right, Craig, which National League team was Tommy John playing for when he missed an entire season with the UCL surgery that would later bear his name? Is it the Cubs, the Padres, or the Dodgers? Um, well, I was thinking the Mets, so obviously that's wrong. Uh, Tommy John, Cubs, Dodgers, let's say the Padres. With both the Lakers and the Celtics down 3-0, it doesn't look like the championship to tie to take the lead. Hold on. Wait a minute. <laughs> it doesn't look like the championship <laughs> of 17 championships will be broken. Who sits third in NBA history with seven championships? Is it the Houston Rockets, the Philadelphia 76ers, or the Golden State Warriors? Um, Let's say... Uh, the 76ers. Only three Rams defenders started both Super Bowl 34 and 36. Grant Wistrom, 
on the line and London Fletcher at the next level. Who is the only DB? Is it Dexter McLeon, Keith Lyle, Dre Bly? I'm going to go ahead and say Dre Bly. All right, we'll double-check those scores, and we will bring in Randy Carricker. Craig, how you feel? Um, eh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here. There we uh, go. We are happy to have you here, Mr. Awesome. You have uh, texted in and done a great job so far, so hopefully we'll see how, how well Megamind feels on this Monday. It's not a meh Monday. Tuesdays yeah. are usually meh. Yeah, meh Tuesday. Meh Tuesday. Yeah. Meh Monday yeah. has yeah. a better ring to miserable it. Though. Mondays. Miserable oh. Mondays. Miserable Mondays. We're trying to make for, it better for you. Miserable for who, Randy? Oh, come on now. <laughs> Carrie. Carrie. <laughs> That's not very nice. All right, Randy. Say hello to Craig. Craig, good morning. How are you doing? <laughs> Hey, good, Randy. Thanks for hosting. Thanks for talking. Uh, we appreciate you. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you playing. All right, Randy. Here we you go. Know, here's my terrible, terrible thing about me. I'm spending uh, so much time on a Monday thinking about what am I going to have for lunch a week from today. Oh, this is Memorial when we get Day. Monday. Oh, Randy, I've been thinking about this Memorial Monday for about three weeks now. Oh, Monday in two, three weeks. I can sleep in. All right, ready. Here we go. Ready. So far through the 2023 Cardinal season, only two Cardinals players have a 900 plus OPS. Nolan Gorman and who else? 900 plus. Is this like the whole roster? Minim- Minimum of 75 at bats. 75 ABs. Um, I think uh, 900. I think the the recent struggles of Goldie have allowed my guy, Hannes Wagner, to reach that level, <laughs> a.k.a. Paul DeYoung. I'm going to go Paul DeYoung. I was going to say, Hannes is no longer with us, is he? Hey, no, no, no. He's I'm no gonna, longer I'm... with us. And neither is his brother Butts. Butts right. but yeah. Wagner. Yeah. But Wagner. Yeah, which is true. I'm not I'm not being mean. Look it up, guys. Okay, anyways. Uh, which National League team was Tommy John playing for when he missed an entire season with the UCL surgery that would later bear his name? Uh, fortunately, yeah, it didn't have his name before he had the surgery. That'd be weird, huh? Yeah, that would be <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm, how did Lou Gehrig not see it coming? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's not a good <laughs> Too soon. Yeah. Too soon? <laughs> I'm, I'm going I'm to go with um, the uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers, Brooke. I'm going to go with the, the uh, and that doctor just died that uh, performed that surgery. And it, uh, should really? Be, should be top of mind. Yeah, he just died within the last year or so. The first, the doc, first doctor to perform only, Tommy John's. Only surgery. doctor I know is James Andrews. That's the one they always talk about. But he's yeah. still kicking. He's still, yeah, he's still doing a lot of surgery. Does everybody's surgery. He's like yeah. 88. Yeah. Maybe not that old, but either way. All right. <laughs> With both the Lakers and the Celtics down 3-0, it doesn't look like the tie of 17 will be broken. Who sits at third in NBA history with seven championships? Seven championships. Well, let's see. Your Golden State Warriors have five, and then I think they won one with Wilt. And they beat the Sixers won one with, um, like, in the 70s or 80s. The Dr. J group, I think, won one. Um, that, so that, I, I'm thinking Philadelphia Warriors. Phil, uh, sorry about that. Philadelphia Warriors. Um, that, but then I went to Sixers. 
So let's see. Philadelphia Warriors, I think, won one. Um, Philadelphia 76ers. Eh, Dr. Uh, no. Um, who else has won a lot? San Antonio. But I think they only have their five. Um, CD, I'm going to do the little lifeline here just in case. Houston Rockets, Philadelphia 76ers, Golden State Warriors. Rockets have definitely not. I think they only have the two. Um, so this could conceivably be Golden State and Philadelphia uh, Warriors. Okay. I'm going to say the Sixers have not. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to go with the Warriors. Only three Rams defenders started both Super Bowl 34 and 36. Grant Wistrom on the line and London Fletcher at the next level. Who is the only DB? Okay, your uh, your DBs. Keith Lyle was hurt in Super Bowl 34. Kim Herring started Super Bowl 36. Um, Aeneas obviously started Super Bowl 36. Um, Billy Jenkins Jr. was gone by that time. So you had, um, well, you had Dexter on the other side, Dexter McLeon. It was Aeneas and Dexter that, yeah, because Dexter got beat on that, super, that touchdown pass to Patton at the end of the first half of Super Bowl 36. So I will go, Dexter was a really good player, but that was just not a good play. Um, I will go with Dexter McLeon, number 21, Clemson cornerback. We have a winner in today's fight. How do we get started on a... Or is this now a May Monday? Or is that yeah, May? Miserable yeah. Monday. Miserable Monday. Monday. Okay. But not for rent. Is it manic? Manic oh, man. Monday. Thank you, everybody, for that. <laughs> Who is the winner of today's fight on this man- manic, miserable Monday? Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis with the most experienced club fitters in town. Oh, my gosh. Just win, baby. No. I like I got the club horn at the end at, at the end talking about our, our, our good our good friend Chris and everybody over there. Uh, thank you so much, Craig. I'm sorry you heard Mr. Buck, and that means Randy Carricker got the jack and he beat you today four to one. Uh, well, thanks so much. I thought the last one, it's Dre Bly's birthday today. I thought I would be a little clever and look up whose birthday. Oh. Uh, yeah, see, you're, you're trying to figure out how my brain, yeah, he's starting to figure out how my brain works. Craig, which is, don't do that. Yeah. I, I saw Dre Bly's birthday last night, and I go, what can I make up for the Rams? And I eventually got to the question I did. Well, let's go through these answers. Hey, I'm just giving you a little peek into how my brain works, but you never know where my brain's going to go. I went from Dre Bly Say to a stat again. that he did not play in at all. Like, Dre Bly did not start either of the Super Bowls, by the way. That's why I, I, oh, I wanted okay. to confuse some Say people. So, so far through the 2023 Cardinals season, uh, with a minimum of 75 at-bats, it is Nolan Gorman and Paul DeYoung, the only players with a 900-plus OPS. Goldie just fell below it in this Did Dodgers series. Did not see that coming. Yeah, I think Goldie was, Goldie was like a 906. He dropped to like a 898 or something like that in the yeah. Dodgers series. Uh, which NL team was Tommy John playing for when he missed an entire season with the UCL surgery that would later bear his name? It's the only time he actually pitched in the NL, and he was very good for the Los Angeles Dodgers. With the, both the Lakers and Celtics down 3-0, it doesn't look like the championship tie of 
seven teams going to be seventeen is going to be broken, and the Warriors franchise sits at third place in NBA history with seven total championships. Number four behind them, obviously, the Chicago Bulls with six. Michael Jeffrey Jordan. There you go. And only three Rams <laughs> defenders started both Super Bowl thirty four and thirty six. Grant Wistrom on the defensive line, London Fletcher at the linebacker level, and then Dexter McLeon was in fact the only corner, the only defensive back to start both Super Bowls. And, and I, yeah, I threw a little a dirty kind of one there. And Dre Bly, who did not start either. Lazy. Sorry about that. Nice on his back. birthday. <laughs> Sorry about on that, Craig. Birthday. Thank you so much for joining the fight. Craig, awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great job. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, by the way, our uh, our friend Chris Muir from Golf Discount. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, you got to put that on the on the uh, on the the text line, not the text line, but the the, the, Insta- the app, the put, Instagram. Yeah, I'll put it on the Instagram. There you go. Yeah, he is a a Photoshop guru. And so he photoshopped my head onto John Wick's body. So pretty funny. Randy, I do have one little little piece of bonus trivia here from the fight that I needed to ask you. Okay. I could not remember it for the life of me. Who you know who started all sixteen games for the two thousand one Rams at left end? Chidi Ahanatu? Yes. That's a name that you I, you could have given me a million dollars in ten days to think of that name. I wouldn't have gotten it. Oh. And they also had number ninety four, <laughs> the guy the Air Force guy on that team who wound up replacing Grant. Um don't remember his name. Ninety four. Yeah, he was number 94. Uh, mm, Air from Force. Air Force? Yeah. And he actually wound up, I think, going to Seattle after he was here. Um, he was he, he, he was okay. At defensive end? Yeah. Um, I don't know who that is. I will know when I hear the name, though. Yeah, you will. You got him? I'm not seeing anybody from, not seeing anybody from Air Force since I'm trying to trouble. Hey, Air Force. Well, who were the defensive ends on that team? We'll uh, the defensive ends mm-hmm. on that team were Sean Moran, Leonard Leno, Jonathan Brown, and Chidi. Oh, okay. So the other guy must have come later. Maybe Sean Moran was yeah, Chad number Brown. 77. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe he, Bryce Fisher came the next year. There he you was go. from Air Force. Bryce yeah. Fisher. Yeah, there you go. Bryce Fisher. Uh, yeah, and then you had, well, uh, you had uh, Jamie Duncan. Right? No, Jamie Duncan came after. He he was 02. So you, uh, well, you had Tommy Polly at one linebacker, and then the other linebacker was, let's see, hold on, let me think here. London was 59. Uh, it wasn't Brown, was it? Um, was it was it Chad Brown? Not Chad. Chad Brown played? Chad, not Chad Brown. Somebody said Hargrove. Don Davis. Don Davis. Don Davis was the other yeah. linebacker. Yeah. Mm. I take uh, pride in ending St. Louis's run here. Then they came down to Atlanta. Yeah, that was it. That was, uh, that was the last it? playoff game. Oh, four. 47-17. See you later. Yeah, you did a good job. <laughs> For you, not me. Uh, coming up next, will the Cardinals continue to mix and match their outfield and go with the odd hand, and does that make sense? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Sharply hit, and into right field. That'll score two runs. Mercado having a huge day. Chip Carey on the call on Bally Sports, and Mercado did have a big day yesterday, and because of injuries, and the Cardinals have had a lot of them, they've had to mix and match in the outfield, and it's really not turned out to be a bad thing. With Brooke Grimsley and Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carrick. You look yesterday, guys, at the way the outfield performed, and you'd take that kind of production from your regulars. If if you could be told, okay, I'm going to get, uh, sure, you got an 0 for 4 with a couple of strikeouts out of your center fielder, but if you could get the Brendan Donovan 1 for 3 with a run scored, if you can get the Mercado 3 for 4 with 5 RBIs, you'd take that on a regular basis, and 
I don't think anybody expected two of those three to be members of the Cardinal outfield at the beginning of the season. So, and actually, well, Donovan was going to be on the team, but Mercado and Donovan certainly weren't going to be outfielders, but those two wind up going four for seven with five RBIs and a run scored yesterday. And you have to, right now, if you're Ali Marmol and the front office, because Ali doesn't necessarily put everybody in place, but you have to go with the hot hand because you just don't have the numbers to do anything else. Well, yeah, you got to figure it out. I mean, you've had injuries. Dylan Carlson has gone down. Tyler O'Neill has gone down. And so you're plugging and playing, you know, live bodies, whoever you can get out there. Oscar Mercado has come up and, and done a really good job in his few games that he's been here. Um, but you, you're, you're, as you say, Randy, you don't know. It's a small sample size. You don't know how long that's going to last. So what Tommy Edmond has been able to do, what Brendan Donovan has been able to do, they're just figuring out, you know, day-to-day who they can put in that outfit. And the interesting part is this went from the reason Jordan Walker had to get sent down because the outfield was too crowded. Now you got multiple injuries, and now you're you're trying to find people to put out there. You haven't seen much of Alec Burleson there, which Missed is opportunity, which is intriguing him. to me because that was one of the people that you know that was left on the roster, thinking he's one of those four outfielders that's going to get an opportunity, and he just hasn't hasn't gotten that opportunity or hasn't performed well enough when he's gotten those opportunities. And another guy is Yepes, right? If Yepes yeah. was mm-hmm. just a little bit better defensively... He scares you. Yeah, he does. Yeah. But it, <laughs> yes. It's a shame that you, you can't... Because you should be... Uh, Manny Ramirez won a, a couple of World Series playing left field. Now, his offense offset it, but you should be able to plug a guy into left field, right? What did Manny do? He did something. out, Didn't he? He did a few things. Yeah. But, like, the ball... He cut off a ball that was... In, in, didn't he cut off a ball that was supposed to go to the short, shortstop one time? Uh, it, he cut off his center fielder. Yeah, yeah he, he yeah, just jumped yeah, in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> he would go, like, during pitching changes, he would go behind the green monster yeah, right, and then not was, come out and yeah, stuff like that. that was, but it's it, a real missed opportunity for Burleson, who really got off to a good start, but has cooled off substantially since then. It was. Uh, he did have a really good defensive moment. Was that Friday, I believe, or Saturday? We're talking about one? Uh, no, I'm talking about Burleson. Oh, he yeah, had a yeah. really great catch. Um, but other than that, he's just not doing what you expect. And that's what John Mosellock said last, wi- last week with BK and Ferrario, is nobody's really ran away with anything. And look, you guys know I'm a huge Lars Newtbar fan. And I am too. I, think he I does, am one of the yes, uh, nutty neuters. You're a nutty neuter? <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. We're all nutty neuters here mm-hmm. of Newt Nation. And we are always going to support Lars because he brings a lot to this team. But offensively, he hasn't been that great lately. And I think we can all look at his numbers with that. He is a lone hit in his past 24 at-bats. Also, just another side note, Brennan Donovan, I know he's played some in the outfield too, is four for 25. He was able to kind of get out of that slump a little bit this weekend where he really needed it. But it, it just kind of seems like nobody's running away with anything. And Oscar Mercado has been a great Mercado has been a great story kind of emerging for this outfield where you just want to see something offensively and also defensively. It seems like you're just missing a guy who can have it click at the same time with that. And I just wonder too, as you have this whole situation playing out with Tyler and Neal, I do think that they're going to give him another shot because you got to get if he's not going to stay a Cardinal, then you have to have some sort of trade value for him because it would have to be the perfect situation where you could find like a pitcher or something like that that also needs a change of scenery um, and that's going to be tough for them to find. And you know what guys I it really bothers me that the Cardinals turned out the Jordan Walker video when he made the team and said the reason that you made the team is because you battled through adversity it really bothers me that they didn't allow him to battle through adversity here Yeah, because 
if you're learning at the major league level, that's better experience than learning at AAA. And he was doing fine here. And it, it, he had to be, a, well, we know, we, we talked to people, he was ticked when he got sent down. Mm-hmm. And it probably affected his performance. And I think if I were the Cardinals, I would have been much more inclined to let him battle through the adversity. Now, there's another part of this because as of last Tuesday, the Cardinals have control of him for another year. And he's hitting just over 200 now. But it really is bother- bothersome to me that one of your regulars is not Jordan Walker. Arbitration after five years? Three. After three years? Yeah. So 2020. 20, well, see, this isn't a full year anymore. Four, five, six. So yeah. 20, going into 2027? Yeah. It's going to be. <laughs> yeah. If he, if he performs, if they didn't break him. Well, I think he's going to perform. I think he, I said it earlier, he's had a three-game hitting streak. He's starting to warm up a little bit. But it, it, I always hate when teams do that, when they make business decisions, because you force a player to now make a business decision. And then, you know, you have fans, oh, take the hometown discount. Oh, why are they so frustrated? Why are Because this person or these people are playing with my financial future. And if I am a player and I want to become a free agent, which every single player wants to be a free agent mm-hmm. as soon as possible, and now I'm really locked into a contract for one more year, it, it's going to, it, it usually doesn't go well for no. the team in that, in that regard. And to kind of explain this, for purposes of arbitration and free agency, a player gets a year of service time if he remains on the major league roster for at least 172 days of a 187-day season. As of last Tuesday, there was no way that Walker could have gotten to 172 days. So he yeah. does, there's no way he can get a full year of service time. Yeah, and, and that's a very tough situation because you worry about, you saw how everything play out with Chris Bryant. Of course, it would take years to know if that's a situation that happened too, but it's it's I'm sure it's a very hard lesson of, this is a, biz, a business at the end of the day, and business decisions are being made, but it's tough that it's against somebody that made the opening day roster, you said you're going to stick with him, he gets sent down, and it, it just doesn't look good from the outside. But in the situation that you're in right now too, I just wanted to bring up, Another name that also is kind of doing right now, a former outfielder. We talk about Randy Rosarena a lot. How about Harrison Bader? He's really heating up right now for the Mm -hmm. Yankees, too. So once again, kind of coming back to it seems like they're very touch and go with outfielders, including Jordan Walker, including this whole Tyler O'Neill situation where they're afraid of making another mistake where you see an outfielder doing great things for another team. And you're like, why can't we figure out our outfield situation here in St. Louis? But I'll tell you this, I wouldn't trade Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader. No. No. I, I mean, the, the the frustration from Cardinal fans, I, I think there's this notion, because, and we see it on the text line all the time, we'll trade, um, let's trade Nolan Gorman, let's trade Tyler O'Neill and a bag of balls for Shohei Otani. Like, that's not how that works. Teams yeah. don't give up star players for nothing, so... When you're winning trades, sometimes you're going to win them, sometimes you're going to lose them. And the Cardinals getting Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, I think, won those trades. If you were to give up Randy Rosarina but still get those two in return in different trades, I think you have to look at how it all weighs itself out, how it all manages itself. You can't be, you can't ex- assume to win every single trade in the manner that I think Cardinal fans believe we should. By the way, one quick fun fact, and we're going to get to our rush hour reset. Your St. Louis Cardinals have 21 wins on the season? The San Our? Diego Padres have 21 wins on the season. Look at that. There What's you the go. the payroll difference there? Oh, a couple hundred million. <laughs> <laughs> a good amount. Yeah, it's 
Quarter billion. Yeah, they probably aren't <laughs> thrilled there. The Rush Hour Reset and the Cardinals' victory over the Dodgers coming up on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler trying to turn your miserable Monday mm. maybe into a manic Monday, but how about a magnificent Monday? I like that. Because next Monday you don't have to work. That is a marvelous Monday for there the we four go. of us. See? We're thinking, <laughs> we've got some adjectives. Let's see if we can come up. Uh, the text line is open. 314-399-9646. yo And we will move to your Adjectives, positive adjectives that start with the letter M. We've already done magnificent. We've already done marvelous. Let's see if there are any more out there. You think? I don't know. I'm not sure. Cardinals won yesterday. That was magnificent and marvelous. They took care of the Dodgers, winning three of four in the series. Uh, Cardinals got things going early with Tommy Edmond. Little flare into left. That's going to get down, and the Cardinals are going to strike first. Edmund on his way to second. It's the daily double for the Birds. It's one to nothing. That's a one RBI double for Tommy Edmund. Oscar Mercado stepped to the plate with two on and said, Tommy, hold on, hold my beer. Let's see what <laughs> Mercado can do with two strikes. Swing and a shot headed for the gap. That'll get down and score one. Donovan around second. He's on his way to third. He's got the green light. He's going to score. Mercado breaks it open. It's 3 nothing. 3 nothing at that point. The Dodgers had drawn within 4-3 and then 5-3 before Mercado did it again. Sharply hit and into right field. That'll score two runs. Mercado having a huge day. 7-3 at that point, and the Cardinals were not done, thanks to a guy who's been aptly renamed Hannes Wagner. <laughs> and there's a shot hammer deep left field at the track wall, into the bullpen. That'll do it. DeYoung, a three-run bomb. Cardinals win it by a score of 10-5. Paul DeYoung, a.k.a. Hannes Wagner, is rolling. He can roll those R's. And the Cardinals, 11-3 and three in their last 14. They win, and this is amazing, 5 of 7 on the homestand, 2 of 3 against Milwaukee, 3 of 4 against the Dodgers. And the Cardinals now in third place in their division, climbing up the standings before heading to Cincinnati for a four-game series and Cleveland a three-game series over the weekend. And I am I'm wholly impressed by this Cardinal team that I will admit I had kind of, well, I was saying that they should bring in Joe Madden to be their baseball czar. <laughs> so I think that kind of connotes that uh, I, I had given up a little bit. You see, this mm. is why they're preaching patience. Uh-huh. And we just we just didn't have any patience, guys, right? I mean, it, it looked it looked definitely like rock bottom when you're 10 and 24. <laughs> yeah. and kind of in the cellar of the it National League. It kind of was rock bottom. Yeah. I mean, it didn't look like it. It, yeah. it, it kind of was. Yeah, it was. I think yeah. that's fair to say now. But the fact that you can hit rock bottom, which is 10 and 24, and then able to like mount a comeback where you're 11 and 3 Nolan Gorman being a huge part of this Wilson Contreras I still think that you can point a lot back to the way that Wilson Contreras handled that whole kind of public 
you know, debacle. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that debacle. that was it was it was a lot. It was very confusing. And I don't think we'll ever get over the catcher DH jokes because it was confusing to go through. But the way he handled that situation, I think, meant a lot to the team and a lot to the players that, you know, this is a guy they're going to have here for five years. The energy that he brings behind the plate at the plate. I mean, you can't replace that. And with Nolan Arenado doing what Nolan Arenado does, his May has been huge, a huge improvement from his April. Yeah, he's been sensational. A plus 1,000 OPS. He's hit well over 300, and he's just another guy that got off to a bad start. Uh, Majestic we get on the text line. Majestic, I like that one. Yep. Um, Somebody had mundane Monday. That's yeah, not really But it positive. kind of started as, starts as mundane, but then you turn it into magnificent, right? This, yeah. one, this one's my favorite from the 636. Mosaic Monday. Kind of a confusing day. Sometimes was kind of annoying. <laughs> ah. But when you get to the end, you're like, man, that was a successful day. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> well done, a Mosaic Monday. I like that one. Do you uh, think that Mosaic, is this, is this the game plan that they were all you know talking about and hoping for is that they knew that this was how this whole season was no, going to play out oh no. okay okay because <laughs> there is no way in the world you thought that your starting outfield would be oscar mercado no. and brendan donovan and newt you, you knew you thought but mm-hmm. you had jordan walker you had tyler o'neill you had dylan carlson you had moises gomez in spring training you had a lot you had alec burleson you had juan yepes there's no way in the world that they would have thought by may 22nd that your starting outfield would be the those three, and your fourth outfielder would be Tommy Edmond. No. <laughs> no, you didn't. And give them credit because they are patient and they play big picture. And, hey, here's I'm a guy that had the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, as the National League champions, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yes, you did. I don't believe that's going to happen. I thought you said no. World Series. It might have been World, uh, 2023 World Series champion Pittsburgh Pirates. I think Pirates. you did. You went that far with it. Yeah, it's, I probably should not have. You you, you were you were standing on that bend. I was you all were, in. You were all but in. O'Neal Cruz got hurt. Oh. How's that for an excuse? You like <laughs> I that? I think he was hurt already when you when you uh, may have been. described them as world champions. <laughs> I, I will not confirm or deny, Kerry. I will not confirm or deny. <laughs> But anyway, the, the Pirates, uh, who the Cardinals, uh, when, when next time they see him, they, they need to beat him up. Uh, they are still four ahead of the Cardinals in the division. Cardinals, uh, half game, well, they're es- essentially even with the Cubs, ahead of them by p- percentage points in a game ahead of the Reds, who they play tonight in the opener of a four-game series. Did we get uh, memorable, by the way? Memorable? Mm. Oh, mighty fine. mighty. F- can you give us a, a mighty fine Monday, Brooke, please? Maybe. I don't know. Monday's things are, the accents are a little bit tough. Mighty. It's a mighty fine Monday. Mighty fine. It's it sounds mighty like modifying. Mighty fine. Uh, Gene Stallings, the old football Cardinals coach in the in the eighties, the last football Cardinal coach here in St. Louis. I'd call him for his show on Monday nights, and I'd say, "Coach, how you doing?" And he'd say, "Mighty fine." <laughs> mighty fine. And he had the deep voice. I'm mighty fine. I like that. By the I way, like I'm, that a lot. I'm going to do the uh, the TV show for next uh, Sunday. Uh, the night before Memorial Day. It's the 101 on sports on Fox 2. It comes your way at 11 o'clock. And then you can see it on our website and our YouTube channel, the 101 ESPN YouTube channel. But 
Klaibs and I are going to get together and tell some old Big Red stories because it's been 35 years since the football Cardinals left St. Louis. It's amazing. They were only here for wow. 28, and they, they've been gone for 35, but they still hold such great memories for so many people. So we're going to tell some old football Cardinals stories next week on the 101 on Sports. That's awesome. There you have your Rush Hour Reset here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, St. Louis City SC goalie Roman Berkey joins us after his clean sheet against KC. Roman is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. This is our place. This is our home. This is our performance. Complete from A to Z, but one way. That's Bradley Carnell, head coach of St. Louis City SC, after their clean sheet 4 nothing win over Sporting KC on Saturday night over at City Park. And joining us now on the Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN is the keeper for St. Louis City SC, Roman Berkey. He has been amazing this season. Roman, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Congratulations on another win. How are you doing? Hello. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, beautiful Sunday to enjoy a little bit. Yeah, feeling good. Roman, obviously winning the game, it feels great. But when you hear the coach say tomorrow is off, that is like the best feeling after winning the game. How did, how did That sounded great. How does that feel? Because victory Mondays for us were spectacular. Yeah, I mean, that's always uh, like um, a sign that we did good uh, in the game. And, of course, we, we come in every day, um, try, try our best, try to get better. And um, then if the coach gives one day extra off, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's a special sign. And, of course, uh, we, we love that sometimes. Roman uh, Carnell, we were just obviously listening to that speech, and he also said afterwards, we needed this. We had a tough month. How did it just feel to get the victory, get the clean sheet on Saturday night? Yeah, like Coach said, um, we needed that uh, after the last performances. Um, we didn't play well enough to, to deserve a win and uh, obviously also no clean sheet. And I think this week was, was way better. Uh, we had that feeling, that um, rivalry feeling. And, um, of course, at home with our fans in the back, uh, they pushed us once again to a, to a very good uh, performance. And, yeah, it's just a little bit of a relief. Uh, as well, you know, after I think it was more than four games without the win. And, uh, yeah, it's just uh, an amazing feeling now, you know. And also, can you speak to the return of Blom, too? I know that he's had, you know, COVID and then some injuries as well. But having him back in this game, how much did he stabilize the defense? Yeah, he was outstanding. Uh, his performances against the ball and also with the ball uh, was was brilliant. And uh, we are very happy to have him back. Um, and just the whole um, uh, situation in the midfield uh, changes if you have a guy like him who works for the team. You know, he's not a, a guy who, who wants to be in a spotlight uh, or whatever. Um, he's just really a hardworking guy and does everything for the team. And I think that's one guy... Uh, you need in a team to have, especially uh, in a midfield. Roman, can you talk about the the rivalry that has sparked between Sporting KC and you all? There were talks. You know, I don't know if you saw their Instagram or their 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 Twitter feed talking about the rivalry. Did you all take? Did you all feel that part of this game? And and what are your thoughts about that? 
Uh, to be honest, I I saw uh, some things, you know, uh, on social media, mm-hmm. and uh, usually I don't really think too much about this this stuff because uh, I said it to the team before the game, uh, uh, the pre-game speech. I said like, guys, this is not us. We have to deliver on the field. Uh, that's our rivalry. That's our job today. And um, yeah, I'm I'm happy that the the whole team, the whole squad uh, delivered. Roman Berkey, keeper for St. Louis City SC with us on 101 ESPN. And Roman, you had a spectacular save late, and you guys were up. The game was in hand, but you were highly emotional after that save. How much fun was that? Might have been the save of the year in MLS. How much fun was that to uh, come up with that late save? Yeah, it was a curious, uh, a special situation. Um, I think Lucas Bartlett, uh, hits the ball first to my hand um, and the ball bounces back to, to a Kansas City player and all I could do was just I thought okay um, I just go full power in my on my right side and uh, of course there was also a little bit of luck uh, involved but um, I just uh, went all or nothing and just dived there and uh, yeah uh, that's what basically after after the save uh, the emotions came a little bit up because it, it's just uh uh, a great feeling to have a save like this. Yeah. And does it uh, does that permeate to the rest of the team too? I think it's just sometimes uh, it's gives the team a sign like, okay, now we are going to win this game for sure. If this ball doesn't go in, we are going to win for sure. And um, yeah, it's just a little bit hype as well. You know, mm. uh, sometimes I'm not a big fan to celebrate my own saves because it's, it's <laughs> my job, you know. But in this situation, in a derby and uh, with the fans, with the noise, it was just, uh, yeah, uh, a little taste. Yeah. You deserve to, to celebrate. All of St. Louis celebrated that one, so you deserve to. It was awesome. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Well, Roman, almost also want to touch on too. I know that you we just kind of touched on this a little bit about how it's been a tough month. What has the energy been like through training, and what has been the message, especially from you as being the captain with this group of being able to get back on track with such a hot start? Yeah, it's always uh, it's not easy after when you go through a, um, a phase like this where you um, don't win a couple of games and lose the games and. It's always like difficult, difficult to to find the right balance between like motivation, between criticism, and how how you you tell these things to the players uh, because each and every one uh, reacts different to to those things. So I just try to push everyone to the back to the top a little bit. Of course, we had the, the, another. Um, uh, a whole week to prepare for, for this game, and um, I think that what made us like just or gave us enough time to think about what we can do better and what not and uh, what we can improve and uh, yeah it's just always difficult to find the right balance but um, yeah apparently we, we, we found the right, the right way to, yeah, to deliver once again at home. Hey Roman along those lines you guys get off to the great start the league is watching tape of you to find out what you guys do well they adjust and I, I, my question is have you had to adjust to what the league was doing to you and change anything? Uh, yeah we, we, we definitely had to adjust our play style a little bit um, because like you said um, after probably the five the first five games the whole league knew about us about our play style and how aggressive we are and most of them after the the fifth game they were just sitting back a little bit they uh, gave the ball to us and 
that was sometimes um, not easy because we we were used to um, fight for the ball high in, in in the attacking field and win the ball there, and then it was a close uh, a closer way to the goal. And all of a sudden, we have the ball in our lines, and we are not getting attacked, and we have to do something with the ball. So we had to adjust definitely a little bit. Roman, we had somebody text in from the 636. You guys have to ask Berkey if he likes his song. I assume that they're talking about they sing to you the Cranberry song, uh, Zombies, where they say, In Your Head. Have you heard that? Yeah, yeah, I heard that. I heard that. Yeah, yeah I definitely like it. I do like it, yeah. Awesome. That's good. Hey, and another home match uh, next weekend against Vancouver. So it'll be great to a see them again, but b back at home for back to back home home matches. Yeah, definitely. We have uh, once more. We have a whole week to prepare, and I think tomorrow we will start preparing or post match um, analysis uh, from from last game against Kansas, and then we will focus on on Vancouver. And uh, I'm I'm hundred percent sure. Uh, that we're going to deliver once again. Roman, we're looking forward to it. Thanks so much for the time. We always enjoy hearing from you. Appreciate it, and have a great week of training. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Take care. That's Roman Berkey, keeper for St. Louis City SC. They were brilliant with the clean sheet on Saturday against Sporting KC, and it kind of lifted everybody's spirits, I would think, that's a sports fan in St. Louis, because uh, I think Sporting KC kind of thought that they were superior. They have certainly had a su- superiority complex coming in. Yeah. You get beat 4-0, you sure. probably go home with your tail between your legs. You take that drive back up 70 and, you know, <laughs> lick your wounds on your way. Yeah. yeah. Just 70 West. That's where you go. Yep. Get out of here. That's what yeah. happens when you get bit by the dogs. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. In- enjoy Kansas. Uh, hey, you know what? We- or don't. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Or don't. Yeah. <laughs> There's a casino and a racetrack in walking distance, just, you know. And a Wendy's. I think there's a Wendy's in there, too. You can do a little little four-topper. You can stay at the hotel that's right there. Go to a a Sporting KC game, go to the track and the, you know, casino and the Wendy's. Nice little that I don't appreciate everybody who's ever set foot in the state, the great state of Kansas, as it was called (laughs) after they won the Super Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) But... uh, you know how mad people get from Kansas City when you tell them that they're... Are you from Kansas? You know how upset they get? Sure. Uh, they, they hate it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really hilarious to me. Hey, funny. You hate it. Again, <laughs> Chiefs fans have an argument. Sporting KC fans don't. That, that's, that, that's exactly that, right. That stadium is clear in so, one state, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry yeah. about you. I think the first thing you do see when you cross the border is a Wendy's, literally. <laughs> That's, I love Wendy's. Good for them. That's, that's my knowledge of the state. <laughs> that and that Brad Barnes is from it. Yeah. Oh, Played okay. football there. No, he's a, he's a Kansas. He's a yeah. He's because he's, he's got he's got the T-shirt that says the great state of uh, Kansas and then a Missouri map. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the other thing I know about Kansas, I hear tell there's a hill in in Lawrence where you can see the rest of the entire state. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, says the Mr. Mizzou guy. The fast lane in the Rizzuto show from 105.7. The point are squaring off once again in a softball home run derby hosted by the O'Fallon Hoots. Join us next Saturday, June 3rd at Car Shield Field in O'Fallon Mo for the fast lane versus Riz show home run derby brought to you by Swiss Air Heating and Cooling and complete auto body and repair. There's going to be a fast pitch MLB home run derby uh, with Andrew Jones, Mike Matheny, Scott Spezio and Bo Hart. If I'm not mistaken, my two partners here are going to be in on this, right? 
Uh, you're one partner. <laughs> one of your partners will be. One of your partners. Howdy, partner. That's me. That's the partner <laughs> that's going. I'm going to be out of town. There will be two. Oh, so no. Yeah. I was. I, I, I thought the dates were different. Okay. I'm his pinch hitter. R- Rocky was oh, in Oh, Rocky was yeah. in. I'm pinch hitter for Gary Davis. And I'm going to be uh, the MC, I believe, of these festivities. I, I got to go out and practice. Rocky, we now, need to go out here's and practice. The thing. Tower here's T, the let's thing. do it. Bro. I'm serious. I need to. Now, between the two of you, okay. Uh, BK and Ferrario didn't do great when they when we they, have to do better. So uh, they went over. They, I was trying to be polite. Uh-huh. I, I was trying to be politically correct. They didn't hit any. Okay. So I need. We need. It's a lot of pressure, but not a lot. You know, we got to <laughs> do better. We can't have that show have anything hanging no. over us because no. they 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 talk a lot well mm-hmm. luckily the bar so, is like in the cellar at this point I mean, based I mean, off of what they did any right. lower <laughs> than what no. they got so at worst we'll tie the floor yeah. is the ceiling uh, right. <laughs> the ceiling is the yeah. floor or yeah. general admission tickets on sale now for just 15 bucks <laughs> get all the details on this year's o'fallon hoots home run derby now at 101espn.com coming up here on 101 ESPN. Are the Cardinals handing Matthew Libertor in the best way possible for his development? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Matthew Libertor pitched out of the bullpen yesterday. He had a walk and a hit batsman. They both scored. And he wound up giving up a couple of runs in the Cardinals' win over the Dodgers. And we were wondering when the Cardinals would plug Matthew Libertor back into the rotation. Guys, I found it interesting in looking at his year in the minors at AAA that they gave him five full days between starts. And so I don't think... We should look at Matthew Libertor and say, okay, they're treating him in a strange fashion because clearly they don't think he's prepared to pitch every fifth day yet. He, he had five days between starts between March 31st and April 6th for his opener, and then he had the 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th off. Pitched on the 12th, had the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, and 17th off. Pitched on the 18th of April, 19, 20, 21 22, that, so that was every fourth day. But for the most part, he's pitched every fifth day at Memphis. So I think the Cardinals are just treating him with kid gloves But because he's only 23. He's never pitched a ton of innings. COVID really had a... It, it played havoc with players' careers. And I think that's what the Cardinals are worried about. Libertor... In 2018, threw 32 innings in his first year of minor league ball. Then he threw 78. Then he threw 124 at Memphis in 2021. Didn't pitch at all, obviously, in 2020. Mm-hmm. Only threw 115 last year uh, for Memphis. And this year was at 46 before he got called up. And the adage is now, it's not an old adage, but you only want to increase a pitcher's workload by 10% in terms of innings each year. So my guess would be that the Cardinals are probably looking at getting him up to maybe 130, 140 innings this year. It's interesting because I think when we all saw that news, it wasn't exactly what you were expecting, right? Because you were like, okay, he's up here, he's going to be a starter. And then you're like, wait a minute, they're going to use him out of the bullpen. That news was kind of jarring for everyone. And I saw all the social media reactions too. And he did get hit around a little bit yesterday too. So then you had even more people like, why is this decision being made? Well, here's one thing that uh, just to point out, you're going to have 
six starters on your roster, that means that you're going to have one less reliever, right? So I think that it was just to give kind of the arms and the bullpen a break, which they need a break, especially with this long stretch of games. It does suck that he was hit around a little bit. And I'm sure, too, I mean, obviously, I was never a major league pitcher, but the mentality is a little bit different as a reliever and a starting pitcher. So I think that that's why it was very stressful for a lot of people to see that. Yeah, and because... And I get the dissatisfaction with Steven Matz, but let's be honest, he's making 11 million bucks. So the Cardinals are going to utilize him until they can't utilize him anymore. So if you can cut back on the amount of innings that he throws, because he's been so ineffective, and protect Matthew Libertor at the same time, I'm okay with that. Now, once we get to the playoffs, you're not going to have a six-man rotation. And maybe when you get to the second half, it's survival of the fittest, and maybe Matt's isn't there. But if the Cardinals do want to keep Matthew Libertor down to 160 innings or 155 innings, that's a good way to do it is by using a six-man rotation. Yeah, it is. And and to your point, Brooke, I do think there is a, a different mindset coming into a game as a starting pitcher versus coming to a game where the score is 10 to 3 and you're in the top of the eighth inning, you, you're, I, I don't, you, you're still going to be prepared as a professional athlete, but just the mindset of, okay, this game is out of reach and, and your first batter is for Freddie Freeman. I think it does change a little bit how you approach that game, but you don't want to have a performance where you give up runs or you get knocked around a little bit because that can bruise your confidence, especially yeah. coming off of the start that he had in his first outing. Um, hopefully he gets an opportunity to get right back out there and, and really show you know what he showed us in that first start, that he is a really good pitcher that can change uh, the pace and change the speeds very very well and very easily and, and get keep batters off balance. Yeah, and Steven Matz, which is CD's favorite, as we all know. Oh, yeah, he's a big Steven Matz fan over here. <laughs> I, I, It seems like it's very incremental, his approach, or I guess like uh, kind of his process and his growth. It's not going as fast, I think, as a lot of people would like, but it seems like that's just the approach they're going to take with him is they're fine with kind of the incremental growth with Steven Matz. But Matthew Libertor, if he continues to do well, especially during this very long stretch, and that's that's the only reason that they, I believe that they let him come out of the bullpen mm-hmm. like that or even used him, um, I, I think that it could be huge for him to make the most of every little opportunity. It, it was interesting. Steven, you speak about Steven Matz. His start a couple of days ago, it, it really looked – there was a point there um, where he felt like he should have gotten the strikeout and he kind of stared at the umpire and gripped the ball. And you can mm-hmm. see the frustration. And as a as a pitcher, as a player, you never want to give the opposing team any inkling that they got the best of you or that you're out of sorts. And, and you could see that in that moment. And I'm sure – there is a lot of pressure building up for Steven Matz because you have the contract. You haven't won a game yet this season. You get this younger guy brought up from the minors who is a lefty that is supposed to be taking your spot eventually. So there is some frustration and some some angst that is starting to build up with Steven Matz. And then you, you, you couple that with the fact that on your day to start, your team doesn't get any runs. Yeah. So you got a lot of things going on. And internally, he's probably starting to press or, or feel that pressure a little bit. He needs to go out and have a day where he gets the run support, he gets the calls, and does not just, you know, he was visibly frustrated when he didn't yeah. get that call. And then he ended up getting pulled in that same inning. So 
at some point, hopefully some things go right for him, because if not, you're going to see it unravel really quickly. And he watched Libertor pitch. Yes. He knew the Libertor yes. threw the shutout. And he so knew why he's there. Yep, that's pressure. That's, yes. that's pressure. By the way, one other note about Matthew Libertor yesterday. I actually liked the, the outing, because he, one thing Rick Horton said on the radio broadcast, he says, when you're throwing on a bullpen day and you're in a game, it's just different. You can't give 100% like you do ordinarily coming out of the bullpen or starting a game. So he hits Freeman with a pitch, and then he walks the second guy, and then Taylor singles to left. So you got bases loaded, nobody out. And then Martinez hits a sacrifice fly. Martinez, one of the best hitters in baseball. Outman, National League Rookie of the Year, hits another sack fly, and then Vargas strikes out. I think all in all... I'll take that outing from Matthew Libertor because most guys, I won't say most, many guys don't bounce back from that adversity of bases loaded, nobody out, and only allow the two runs. Yeah, you get the bases loaded with with no one out. You can sort of feel like that pressure is starting to mount on you as well. And to get two sacrifice flies, two outs, and then strike the last guy out, it does show you that he has something in him that is not going to really succumb to the amount of pressure that is being applied in that moment. Well, speaking of pressure, going back to Steven, and Mats, you guys know how long it's been since he's won a start in the majors. Do tell. Last year, sometime. Ten months. Oh man, that's a long time. Ten that months. That's a, a lot of pressure. That, mm-hmm. a lot, that, I'm long telling you, Randy, when I saw him get so frustrated at that that ball that was called that he felt was a strike, because I think him and Contreras were, were walking out. He, he was walking off the mound as if innings over, and he kind of glared back into the umpire and like, really? Mm-hmm. You're not going to give me that call. And you could see him just kind of pumping the ball into his glove, just really frustrated. Again, that goes to not winning games, not getting the, the run support when when every other pitcher seems to be getting five, six, seven, eight runs scored while they're on the mound. It's a lot of things that are building up for Steven Matz in this moment. And what he's going to have to do is put all of that aside and just block it out and just go out there and perform and pretend like nothing has taken place up until this point. There are young couples that last winter, spring, were having <laughs> breakfast, and you know what, let's, let's try to have a baby. So they tried, they worked at it, they got pregnant, they gestated, and they've had the baby since Stephen Metz's last win. Oh, <laughs> That's, thank you for putting it into that perspective. Randy. Thank you. Oh, that's, well, that's good to know. Am I wrong? Oh. Poor Steven. Get a win, buddy. Get a win. Somebody will name their kid Steven. Oh, man. Uh, maybe. Probably not. Oh, sorry. I said that out loud. That was, that was like an internal dialogue that should have stayed internal. Did I say that out loud? Uh, coming up, rock and roll on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. All right, time for Rock and Roll. Matthew Rockio will give us a subject and we'll just roll with it. Randy, we actually have some tickets to give away oh, here let's at the do end it. of the show. Let's do oh, it. Yeah, we do. It's, uh, they're, they're Dead & Company tickets. Uh, 101 ESPN with has your chance to score a pair of tickets to see Dead & Company at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater on June 7th. This is a band that is a... Uh, they, they do Grateful Dead stuff. John Mayer is in the band, though, one of the great mm. guitarists of all time. Um, nobody ever considers him the best, but he's really, really good. 
Uh, very few tickets remain for the show, and you can find all the ticket details at 101ESPN.com. Right now, you can text into 314-399-9646 to win tickets to see Dead & Company. All you need to do is text in and answer the question that Matthew has for you. This will be texter number 32. Texter number 32 okay. to win this one. It's pretty simple. There's a pretty big Grateful Deadhead in the NBA uh, as a broadcaster, and that's one of my personal favorites, Bill Walton. Mm-hmm. So to win these Grateful Dead tickets, it's simple. What three franchises did Bill Walton play for in his NBA career? Mm, Texture number 32, what three franchises did Bill Walton play for in his NBA career? I, like I got one. two of them. I got the third. I got two of them. Just think about, think about what happened to him his entire career. I mean, which part, Rock? The injuries. Oh, no. that'll, that'll make you. I'm just saying. What happened? What, what is Bill Walton's career the entire time known for? Injuries. Yeah. Think about that, and you'll think of the third franchise. I guarantee you. He uh, had perhaps the greatest NCAA championship game performance ever, right here in St. Louis. Oh, in the NCAA, yeah, he uh, 12, 21 of twenty two yep. for forty four points in in a, in a in a win over Memphis. He was then personally recruited by an ABA official in the locker room, which John Wooden let them in. Which mm-hmm. I think, in retrospect, is insane. How much has college sports changed in fifty years? That literally, Bill Walton got walked up to by an ABA representative, and they said, "Hey, we're hiring Will Chamberlain to, to be the coach mm-hmm. of the team that's going to draft you. What do you think about it?" And he was like, "I think I'm going to stay here with John Wooden." Yeah, <laughs> which not is a bad idea. Speaking of great NBA players, Carmelo Anthony a little bit earlier today officially announced his retirement from the NBA. He did not play the 2022-23 season, last playing with the Los Angeles Lakers in 21-22. Of course, missing out on the championship in the bubble and missing out on a lot of championships throughout his career. But Carmelo Anthony, like Randy said in the break, undoubtedly a Hall of Famer. You you posed the question earlier, the, the best player the, wor- the, the, worst the, the, defensive the worst Hall of Famer. The worst defensive Hall of Famer. Clearly a Hall of Famer. Uh, you could probably put Jokic on there at some oh, point. What? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. He's not making the Hall of Fame. <laughs> oh, he's not making the he's a Hall of Fame. No. But he, he might be up there. I'm pretty sure Jokic is about the same defender as Bill Walton. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. The worst yeah. Hall of Famer. The worst, worst Hall of Fame defender. The worst Hall of Fame defender. Ooh, I, I George off Gervin. the top of my head, I can't. I never saw George Gervin play. We never he, saw he is, Carmelo play defense until the last three or four years not. of his career. If you, I think there's like a YouTube highlight of Carmelo's defense or lack thereof. Here, uh, it's atrocious. Here's the times. question. How much old school basketball are you? Because old school basketball guys always talk about how rebounds are part of defense because it closes the defensive possession. Do you give him credit for becoming legitimately an, an above did, average to great rebounder at his position I don't the, the last say half great. of his career? The I don't, last half I don't of his know great would be the word. For his use. position. No, 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 even for any okay, position. Fair uh, very good, though. All right. But he was more so known for, I mean, he would yell at his, I got it, or, uh, yeah. you know, that was that was kind of his thing. Yeah. That kind of, I guess, became his thing. Yeah, but, but a great, great player. Cool. I mean, a legitimate Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah, no question. That's, yeah. A, that's a very good one, though. And I want to stay in the NBA here because I, I was fascinated by the discourse following uh, the, the Game 3 oh. loss from the Celtics and the Heat Wait, last night. James Harden. Hall of Famer, worst oh. defender. That's that's the one, Randy. James Harden. Oh yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a good call. Yeah. It's from the four one seven. Yeah. Muchas gracias. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say he's worse. Than, uh, yeah. Okay. I'll say I'll say he's worse than Melo. I just wanted to get into a, a little bit of thought because everything I was seeing, even from some of the writers after the Celtics Heat game, was people. I I just thought I saw the word quit 
being thrown out a mm-hmm. lot in reference to the Boston Celtics. And this is less of a me taking a stance. I just want to hear your guys' opinion. When you see a team get drubbed like that, and, you, and we're talking about professionals who the majority of them are extremely passionate about the game, do you buy into players quitting halfway through a game three like that? In that situation, that would be terrible. Because that's what it, I mean, but I mean, it felt were, like it. It wasn't it just felt fans. Like it. Exactly. Yeah. It wasn't just fans. I mean, there were there were pundits saying they quit yes. a- after the first I, half of that game. Kerry uses the word bludgeoned. Yeah. I think they were bludgeoned into submission. You have yeah. a there's I a point when you're playing a game where you can see the other team break. Mm-hmm. And once they hit that breaking point, there is no coming back from it in that game. And that that happened probably midway through the third quarter for the uh Boston Celtics. They broke. And so as much as they want to keep fighting or, or giving their best effort, they are, they are unable to. And I think if you listen to what, you know, what Shaq and Charles said after the game, they, they all believed that they quit. You know, it was uh, – yeah. it just – it didn't look right. It wasn't the amount of effort. They were turning the ball over like crazy, taking horrible shots, trying to get themselves back into the game and not making them. I mean, yeah, because if you're not playing defense, you essentially are quitting. Yeah, it's you hate to say it, but this was a, a no mas moment for yeah, them. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, because they and the thing was they quit because Miami made them. That's the thing. They they didn't quit of their own volition. They quit because the the Heat made them quit. Too much pressure. Yeah. Yep. Well, and even before the game too, the Celtics tried to do that lineup change and that didn't even really seem to make much of a difference. So that felt like that was a desperation move too, mm-hmm. and it didn't pay off and it they just looked like a defeated team out there. And Jimmy though, I I mean, talk about somebody else who needs this song in your head. Like what no, the zombie song by the Cranberries. Mm-hmm. That's that that's got to be Jimmy's song, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, in, he's, he's in that entire team's head. And, and and Jason Tatum obviously not having a good series. Uh, Omer Ute 7 of the Miami Heat has more fourth-quarter field goals made right hmm. now than Jason. Uh, Omer Ute 7? Hmm. Okay. Exactly my point. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yep, exactly right. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. That's our uh, producer, audio engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Great job by him. Brooke did we decide on them? Uh, was it a magnificent, marvelous, manic Montgomery? You didn't like Mo- the Mosaic Monday. Mosaic Monday, good, oh, great okay. call. Yeah, great call. It's a Mo Monday. Mo Monday. Yep. CD. <laughs> hey, happy birthday to our executive producer, the one, the only, the great oh, Michael Ryan. Yeah. He's the man. Happy birthday! Yeah, this station would not run if it wasn't for Mike Ryder. He's yes. the best. One of the hardest working men behind the glass we know. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> and, and he shares a birthday with young superstar Jordan Walker, too. Oh, yeah, right. Two superstars. Yeah, great Same birthday. About it. Yeah. Hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.